Hey, everybody, if you have watched The Millennial Farmer, then you know I've got a pretty righteous Thunder Creek fuel trailer out here. Thunder Creek fuel trailers are built by farmers for American farmers. Right now, a lot of farmers are taking home fully loaded Thunder Creek trailers that are in stock near you with an average of only $1,300 down. Financing is, of course, subject to approval. You can check out thundercreek.com for product info, some stories from the field, and other great deals. That's thundercreek.com. Last winter, I set a new township record by jumping my snowmobile over one of our tractors, and I could not have done that without help from Levi LaValle and my CNA Pro Skis. Uh, so CNA Pro Skis, I actually used to run when I raced snowmobiles, and Levi, who you are going to hear about in this podcast, actually has always run CNA Pro Skis as well. Now you can order your CNA Pro Skis at caproskis.com. Make sure you follow at caproskis on Instagram and Facebook for a chance to win their weekly prize drawings. That is at caproskis and at caproskis.com. in with the trumpet right. <laughs> you, you jumping it in no he's very talented let's really? hear a trumpet solo <laughs> I am not. he just got his instrument today ah. I don't know how, I is this the first day legitimate day yes, one really? of his trumpet career i played i played wow. the trombone for three years and i never did figure it out if you just if you just close one eye and look at the guy next to you, just move your arm about the same as about that. About the guy. same. Yeah. Puff, your, puff your Here cheeks. Comes. Oh, you're on. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Definitely have a strong future. <laughs> and this podcast is brought to you by uh, Onyx. Onyx is not future in music. <laughs> He'll get there. Did you see how much he improved from the first time yeah. to the second time? Yeah, just here right I guess now. So pretty good. Yep, it was impressive. Yep. Now wait till he shuts that lid and dings it, and you got to bring it in and get a dent removed. Right. Yeah, because yeah. what eight hundred dollar trumpet dent? Yeah, yep. we didn't buy it. We just leased it, so I don't know we how did. that works. We did with uh, Milo's trombone too. Oh, you leased it. Yep. He's look at how disgusted he is. Yeah. <laughs> what does that it's even not mean? Mine. It's a leased You're trumpet. Borrowing it. Uh. <laughs> All right, we'll kick it off. So today we've got Levi LaValle with us. Levi is a snowmobile legend, and a, and I would say a genuine madman. I mean, it, it just in general, he's a madman. Multiple X Games gold medalist. He was the first to do a double backflip in competition, but most importantly, he is mostly recognized from being on an episode of The Millennial Farmer, where he helped me set a new township record. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we had a long day. I trained hard, uh, and I just want to say thank you again for helping yeah. me do that. It was a pleasure being a part of that huge moment, you it, know, not only for yourself, but for the township. Yeah, for, for the township in general. I'm still yeah. waiting on the parade notice, but nobody's nobody's contacted me. Oh, well, boy. maybe it's COVID-related or something. I suppose, yes. No parade. That, is, that was right before That'll be back COVID. next year. Next yeah. year. Yeah, that's did, what it was. Did you get your medal? I can make one. Well, we have our useless <laughs> millennial yes, medal shirts. Yes. So. I would assume the medals are in back order because <laughs> right. of COVID. Yeah. Right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. But but that was a that was a big moment, really big day. I had a lot of fun. 
It was a lot of fun. You know, I think that my favorite part is <clears throat> when I got the idea to like try a wheelie with you in the back and was able to KO both of us. Right. <laughs> I always like kind of laugh. I don't know if I'm laughing at myself or what, but I'm like, I think to myself, like people trust me on a snowmobile because that's what I do is ride snowmobiles. And then I wipe out with them and it's like, what are you, really did that just happen (laughs) why would you get on the back of my snowmobile you idiot yeah Yeah. i I hopped on there and next thing i know 30 seconds later we're heading for that we're on our way to a concussion jump (laughs) yeah and i'm just like man i'm a pretty big dude sitting way on the back of this sled like there's no way i'm coming off and that that's what that's what i had in mind when you jumped through the is it a creek or a creek yeah Uh, what size is it it's pretty small, right? It's probably it's dry right now. There's no nothing in so it. So then it'd be a that's creek. a creek. It's a no, that's a creek. Oh. I think so. <laughs> Why did I don't it's, know? Oddly enough, this comes up during every podcast. Just about no, we yeah. should, just recently. Isn't we should have a, a poster thing? up that says "creek," like the the bigger symbol, and then "crick," the smaller symbol. Or vice versa. Or is it the other way around? That or one percent or two percent or whole million. I'm going. Crick is small. Creek larger. That's what I. think, That's the way I would go. Yeah. If yeah. you, I mean, if you had to, I, mean, I, I do, I'm no, no knowledgeable person regarding cricks and creeks. Nope. Right. <laughs> no, no crick master. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I would say that it just seems like that's where I'm going. I agree. Either way, we wheelied over it. Yes, we did. Because you saw it there and the snow was placed just perfect and it was a good spot to get the skis up. It was a great spot. And then you dumped me and I'll never forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> No, that that was actually fun. I I forgive you completely. Yeah, it was a good. I we actually enjoyed it a lot. If it, the kids, oh my goodness, my kids were so excited when I told them I was coming here today. They're like, the place with the tractors, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So they were they were pretty jazzed about the tractors because we don't have that stuff back home up north. It's uh, you know, it's like the biggest thing you'll see is like some excavating equipment. So when they saw tractors, they were like, "Whoa, this is new territory." They were pumped because you're up, Super you're up pumped. where it's trees and lakes more yeah. so than it even is here. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So it's unfortunate that I didn't give to give your son the tractor ride that he really wanted when he got here. But you're <laughs> gonna have to swing by sometime, and we'll do that. Oh, he would he would be pretty excited about it. But it was cool. Like I said, they were just excited to see everything, and and you guys were so good, uh, such good hosts having us out here and. You know, it's kind of like I could see I I was surprised to get an invite back after dumping you, but I appreciate it. (laughs) My wife made me do it. (laughs) I was just going to say I had to talk him into it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not I'm not over it. I don't sleep well at night. Um, The concussion still bothers me. Yeah, but we're getting there. Time heals all wounds. Oh, it sure does. (laughs) So, Levi, how did you get your uh, your start in snowmobiling? My start in snowmobiling, so when I was, what would I have been? I wasn't quite eight years old. My parents got, uh, they got two new snowmobiles. So in the 70s, they used to ride. And then during the 80s, when my sister and I were born, they like stopped riding. And then in 1990, they got two new snowmobiles. And my sister and I would like ride, like I would ride in front of dad. I was still small enough, but my mom, she's only four foot 10. So my sister, who is two years older than me, she had to sit behind my mom and we would go riding. And then shortly after that, uh, the net, well, that year dad started letting me drive from in front of him. And then the next year he, um, we found a used, 
Indy 400, and that was my first snowmobile. And then I started riding at like eight years old. And I remember I could barely, I could barely touch the running boards with my feet. And the mission was always to keep up with dad. So I would go as fast as I could to keep up with him. And this, I just remember the conversation people would have with my dad. They'd say, you know, do you think that's a good idea? You know, having him on that? And, and dad would always go, well, you try keeping up with him. Is what they, <laughs> what they'd say to him. So right or wrong, that's how it, uh, that's how it started. And we rode, we rode a lot when I was young. And, and then when I was 12, um, that's when we started racing cross country and okay. the floodgates opened then. What were the first sleds? Uh, the first sleds dad had a, uh, he had a 1990 Indy 500 and mom had a 1990 Indy trail. Indy trail? Indy trail. Was and that teal back then? Nope. That was, it was the years when it was great. Just before had, the teal ones. Oh, okay. 93 uh, it is when they went teal. I had an 89 and that was gray and teal, I think, or gray and blue maybe. Okay, that was an '89 yep. trail. I know we had a couple of them. That the teal ones, like a '93 yep. and a '94. Yep. Okay. Yep. My uh, I remember my my buddy's uh, mom had a trail, and it because of the gray ones. Like when the teal ones came out, I'm like, those are cool looking. Right. Like the gray ones were just they weren't. A, I don't know. They just didn't look as cool. See the teal ones now, like. It, Ten now years ago, you making a comeback. Oh, I was just gonna say comeback. Ten years ago, you'd laugh at looking at the old picture of a of a teal indie trail, right? right. But now, like that'd be the thing. Boats that'd are doing the same crazy. thing. Yeah, that I've seen a couple. Was are they the teal Malibus? Yeah, those things are. Sweet. That was on one of his posts. I showed it okay. to you. I'm like, yeah. look at this. Look at this boat, man. Well, it's super funny. So my father in law, he has a boat from the. 90s or whatever probably early 90s and it's teal and stuff like that and and like 10 years ago we're like yeah it kind of dates it well now that's like oh cool did you get a new boat bring (laughs) it back around yeah before we know it you know that ugly like blue teal color that people used to paint their barns in the 70s like and their, their barns and their houses it was like it was like this ugly blue like i don't know it was on discount somewhere they're that's gonna make a comeback i don't know that i've ever seen a teal barn yeah, I mostly just not notice like it a on barn, snowmobiles but and like boats. They're like pole sheds, not a barn, a pole shed. Like there are, I'm gonna find a picture. Oh, I know what you're. T- we the, got a neighbor up here with a bunch of them. Yes, the ones in Canada. Everybody in Canada paints their barns teal. No, they're not <laughs> barns. They're not barns. They're pole sheds. But there was Levi. Was did like you know that every 80s. person in Canada, every every gallon of milk sold in Canada is in a bag. In a bag, yeah. No, this I, is not true. I did not. They're know. lying to you. <laughs> That's an inside out, thing. It turns <laughs> out there are some milk sold in bags in okay. Canada. But Becky yep. claimed it was all, and that is our, like, we still get hate mail over that. Oh. <laughs> the Canadians are upset. But they can't come kick her ass because they're stuck on the other side of the border. <laughs> okay, you got to the border. They quarantine come for 14 me. days. You get a, you get a warning. 14-day <laughs> <laughs> warning. <laughs> That's awesome. When you were down here before, you were telling stories, uh, uh, a lot of stories, and some of them came up on your dad. Yeah. Is, is your dad a wild man? Is that how you ended up, oh, you know, man. the crazy <clears throat> bastard that you are? Yeah. He, my dad is, he's very unique. He, um, so he's driving down to Arizona, like, he was supposed to go today, but he wanted to pack more stuff on this trailer. So he's got this open trailer and he's got a crew cab ranger on it and he has chairs inside stacked in the ranger the box is full of a welder a torch all this stuff on the box on the trailer 
And then he has a hoist. He bought a hoist to haul down there because they, they they just got a place down in Arizona this last winter. So he's like he's he can't live without his shop. So, that, so this will be his first full year. First, as full, a, we call him Snowbirds. As yes, heading to Arizona for the winter. Yes, but he he's he needs all his shop stuff so he can work on stuff. So is he going down there for the winter now? No, no, no he's just he's making just getting his, his first, shop down first ah, trip. Okay, gotcha. right. So I go over there and I. I look at this trailer and I go, Dad, you think this think this is a good idea? What? <laughs> what? He's like, I got as much stuff as I could on it. And I'm like, hey, that's what clearly, I'm saying. Clearly. Like, <laughs> I, <clears throat> are you overweight? You know, like you got a long drive ahead of you. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it'll, it'll totally be fine. It, it can't weigh more than the skid steer. You know, and it's like on a skid steer trailer. And I'm like, but, Dad, like, can you imagine dragging a skid steer from Minnesota to Arizona? <laughs> I don't like hauling a skid steer 10 miles. Exactly. So I'm, like, trying to, like, like waiting for the light bulb to go off. Like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I should take some some off. And he's like, no, no, no. I, I have a shrink wrapping heat, you know, gun oh. or whatever that, you know, where you plastic wrap stuff. I do it with uh, the snowmobiles. And he says, let's, we'll shrink wrap it. <laughs> okay that'll make it lighter yeah. it'll pull way easier so that's what i did prior to coming down here was i was shrink wrapping and i mean it's like i just i just pray that he makes it you know <laughs> we were talking i'm like just do some test runs at least to town you only got four miles to go to town at least do some test runs instead of taking off and right you know getting halfway through nebraska and all right. of a sudden you got a problem so uh, going to Arizona for the winter with a with a kid who's a snowmobile nut. Is he still snowmobile nut? The funny thing is, is like he was big into snowmobiling, and then once we started racing, he um, it, you know, we were gone so much. Okay. Like I remember, I remember he snow checked snowmobiles from ninety three to ninety nine. Each year he would get a new sled, and then in ninety nine, that was like when I turned semi pro. And we were gone so much. He okay. put like a few hundred miles on his sled, and he's like, he sold that, and was like, yeah, I don't, I don't okay. really ride at all. So he won't be making frequent trips back to ride snowmobile. I don't think so. I don't think so. He um he's <coughs> he really likes the riding the Ranger and stuff down oh, in Arizona. Sure. He said yep. there's some pretty cool, pretty cool mountains and stuff you can climb around in. Have you ever gone go do that, Levi? Down to Arizona? Yeah. I haven't been. To, I've been to Arizona, but I've never been to where, you should where do they're the, at. We do that with Zach's parents in Arizona, and it's pretty It's pretty cool. Is it? Yeah. It's, my parents are on the east side of town. Okay. And, uh, th- I mean, that's like that's what Dad does. He takes the razors out, yep. and they ride like through the desert. a couple times a week. Yeah. Two, okay. Th- like, I think two, three times a week. I mean, it seems like he's always either on his way there or on his way back. That's they, where, where if he doesn't he answer, he's out there. Uh, they, he's on the southeast uh, corner, so he's so in like, Queen Creek. Okay. Mesa, not far from Mesa. Yeah, it's just south of the Mesa airport. It's not okay. a fast-paced thing, but the train is just, like, crazy. It's, like, the yeah. perfect place to go to test out and see what a Razor can actually do because it's just, like... Yeah. Your dad, he run out there solo then, or is there other buddies around that he'll... No, he's he's usually with uh, uh, Wildman. Oh, with sure. With Jake's dad. Yep. Okay. He's with him a lot. And then uh, he's with um, Bierkman's, our other buddies, actually the guy that worked for Polaris for a long time. Okay. And so those three go out quite a bit, spend a lot of time in the desert. So yeah, it yeah. sounds like there's a lot of people that that ride out there. It's big, yeah. yeah. And it's like Phoenix itself. If you've been to Arizona, you've probably been to the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a cool area. Yeah, you know everybody's kind of into that kind of thing. That's it's part of the culture down there. Like 
four wheel drive pickups and, and right. going out in the desert and doing that kind of stuff and more they, so than there it be is people in a lot out there of places. With Jeeps too, and the money they put in their Jeeps is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah doing the same things like yep. rock climbing stuff. Yeah. The rock climbing is cool. crazy. There's a lot of gearheads and cowboys down there. Yeah. For uh for like a major metropolitan area, it's it's a pretty <laughs> cool area. For sure. It's awesome. Yeah, I think we're gonna go down for we might go down there for Christmas, which would be fun. Um and hopefully we can get out and do some riding. My my dad, he um he has the the North Star Ranger, so it's in in it's enclosed and it has air conditioner yep so when he was first riding with his buddies out there they all have like razors and stuff well dad has a lifted ranger with with bigger tires and stuff and they're like oh my goodness you gotta be hot like crazy in there all enclosed <laughs> and he's like he's like no man i got the air conditioner on and they're air conditioning like, with the windows up isn't yeah. that what your parents are doing now too they're upgrading to something with ac right down there? Yeah, they were. I swear they were talking about upgrading to something enclosed with AC. I know they were. Yeah. Really? I guess I hadn't heard that. I they yeah. so got the you, Razor One Thousand. Can you get a Razor enclosed? Or do you well, have that's what, it'd be it. awesome if they. I don't know if you can. I, I honestly don't know. Well, we've got one of those North Star Rangers out in the shop. We yeah. got it from Meese, and it's it's a sweet ride. They I mean, are. It's like They're it's super a, cool. It's a car or it's a pickup. You know? Almost right. as nice as my Yukon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, it's almost the same size too. It fits our entire family of six in there, no problem. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And you the can get dog. the kids in there. Yeah. Or the dogs in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So what year? What year did you start racing? Because you started with snowcross, right? You I didn't s- start with freestyle or no, no. I actually started off racing cross country. So I ran cross country when I was 12. I did some like local cross country races. And then when I was 14 is when I first started snow cross. And back, back in the day, they, they didn't have like 120 races. I don't even think they had 120s when I first started racing. I think they had snow scoots and yeah. indie lights. Yeah. It's snow or the kitty cat. I kitty suppose cat. there was kitty cats. Yeah. yeah. And I remember my dad was just, a hundred percent against getting me a kitty cat when I was small because he's like, You're because I at that point I was riding a four wheeler already, right? And, you'll all grow you that know. pretty right. fast, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like, This thing does like five mile an hour, you'll you'll hate it, right? So he wouldn't he wouldn't go down that road with me, yep, but. yep. <laughs> but um, he uh, so we when I started racing, I was 14 when I started doing snow cross and I, I ran Duluth, which is the first race of the season. And I remember I was so nervous because for the two years prior to that, dad and I would go up there and watch and we're like, holy cow, this is like the big show. And, you know, so when dad was like, hey, do you want to go race at Duluth? I'm like, like, am I qualified to go there? Like, (laughs) can I go there and race? And he's like, yeah, it looks like you just sign up. I'm like, okay. So we signed up and, and I got there and I was so nervous. I was up all the whole night before. I was sick as a dog, throwing up, and I got to the race and I like qualified for the final. And you know, I ended up making. I ended up getting fourth in, in that the final. First in the final. Well, this was in junior class. Okay, okay, yeah. But that's still, still like there had to be. I mean, there had to be twenty guys that didn't even make the final. Yeah, they, back then there were a lot of guys. So yeah, so I made it in, and and it was it is what it is. It was actually. I made it in because my buddy that went there with me, he wiped out in the heat race is why I got in. So I was like, I'm like, thanks, Mutton. <laughs> otherwise, you wouldn't have made it into that. Yeah, otherwise, I wouldn't have made it, it. So was it three heats back then that you'd run? You'd run in three the heats, days, yeah. and then they'd take the average of that, right? Yep. And then 
eight or eight or twelve best would make it to the final. Right. If I remember right, eight start front row, and then, and then they would four do an in the LCQ. second row. Just an average of your position. Yeah, whoever, over the three. Yep. Yeah, whoever okay. had the lowest lowest total out of the three races. Okay, sure. So it changed. It was quite a bit different back then, and we used to. I mean, you'd be up early doing heats, and especially if you were in, uh, if you weren't pro, like they switched. Probably like I don't know around two thousand. Yeah, probably like around 2000, they switched to like time for pros. So they had like a time, like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, they'd have their heat. And what was the issue with that is if you weren't a pro, like I was semi-pro at, at for a while there. And I remember I w- at Canterbury, there were like 10 heats of semi-pro. And, you know, the pros would run every hour. So it'd take them a half hour to get their races done. So we have a half hour to be able to get whatever you can in. Well, they get like three races in. So, I mean, it'd be like four hours. I'd be sitting in the pits like, my heat's coming. <laughs> Nervous and ready to go. Yeah, and they're like, oh, <laughs> pros are up. You know, and then you're like, oh, okay. And then, oh, okay, here we go, here we go. And you're all trying to get psyched up. And they're like, oh, pros are up again. Yep. Like, and then when yeah. you're just sitting there, you're freezing your butt off. Yeah. Because you're not moving. Yeah. So in the old days, what I had, I had a, I remember I had a little 50. And I would just, if the pros would come up, I would start ripping that thing and riding wheelies and jumping anything I to could. To stay warm. Yeah, just stay yeah. warm. And yeah, because as soon as you just stop and sit still, you're you're cold. Yeah, you and the other part of it, mentally, what I found, it, it took me a handful of years to figure it out, but how I dealt with uh, the pressure was I just stayed busy. Like, if I sat there and, like, thought about things a lot, like, thought about the race thought about who's in my heat all that stuff it would it would get in my head and it would kind of i would mentally psych def- you out yeah, yeah psych myself out and kind of mentally defeat myself so what i found was like if i just was always you know doing something and i didn't really think about it until like right before it's game time like okay we're in the pits go like like that then i i always just went better. out and did it yeah and yeah. and that's when in uh x games when i started doing snowcross and freestyle and all these other disciplines i actually enjoyed it because i never had time to sit and dwell on what was going on it was just like go out there and hit the jump or go out there and rip the whole shot it it, it didn't give me time to overthink it right you just had it was just go don't think about it until you're doing it yeah when did when did freestyle start freestyle started in uh 2008 Model, it was model year 2008, so 2007, I started jumping, and it all started from from uh, X Games approached me in the fall of of 2007, and they said, "Hey, we have this new discipline called speed and style, which is a combination oh. of racing and freestyle. And if you, you know, they said, you know, at that time I was a I was a pro snowcrosser, and and you know I had won some races and stuff, and they said." You know, if you can show that you can do some freestyle, you can be in this new event. And I said, oh, awesome, right? Because I've always been doing tricks off the finish line and stuff like that. <clears throat> so so then I remember going to the race director at Polaris, Tom Rager, and uh, he was like <laughs> he's like the, the father figure when you're, like, on the Polaris race team. So it was all us, like, young young punks, you know, we're all 20s and stuff like that. And then there's dad. And he was like, he'd lay down the law on you. So I like call him and I'm like, hey, Tom, this is Levi. And he's like, 
what can I do for you, sir? You know, and I'm like, hey, so X Games has this new event, and and they said if if I can learn, if I can show them that I can do some tricks, that I can be entered in it. And he goes, you know, I said it's a combination of racing and freestyle. And once I said the word freestyle, then he's like, whoa. Well, you're not going to be doing any backflips, are you? <laughs> I said, well, of course, of course not, you right? You can't do that on a snowmobile. <laughs> and uh, so I remember telling him, like, no, no, no I'm not going to do any flips. And, and I remember in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to the foam pit to learn how to do it, like Justin Hoyer. <laughs> like, I'd always already talked to him about, like, coming over there and trying to learn how. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And uh, so then I remember... We, this was like in probably September and then come October, you know, I got a ramp and I started jumping and I, I, the tricks actually came really quick for me. I like learned how to do all the upright tricks pretty quick. And the, the whole goal was, I was like trying to figure out, like, just try to learn, you know, essentially what Chris Brandt, who is the defending gold medalist in freestyle, just figure out all his tricks. If I can do that, maybe I can qualify for freestyle. So I learned all his upright tricks, and then I went, uh, I went and practiced in the foam pit, and we did some backflips, and then I went back to snowcross, got ready for the first race in Duluth. And at Duluth, I was like the top finishing Polaris. It was like, you know, Tucker, Tucker won it, and then I was second behind him. So I was like, you know. The, the top Polaris guy. Well, that very next week, I just jumped on the freestyle sled and just hit ramps for a week straight. And with the, with the goal of doing my first backflip to snow on Sunday. And I had like my buddy's dad was, uh, was an EMT. And I'm like, all right, you come out in case things go <laughs> wrong. And, you know, I've got the whole crew, crew of guys like ready to do this. And on Friday, I get a call from Tom, the race director. And he leaves me a voicemail, and he's like, Levi, this is Tom. I heard a dirty rumor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not returning this he's call. Like, you better call me back. <laughs> call him back on Monday. And I'm like, oh, man. So I like, <laughs> I remember I called him back right away, and I'm like, hey, Tom, how are you? And he's like, he's like I heard you were going to do a backflip. Are you going to try a backflip? And I'm like, well, I'm like, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> I'm like, so I think to win speed and style, I'm going to need to know how to do this backflip. And he, he's like, do you know how much trouble we'll get in if you get hurt? You, me, and, and Tim Benner, who is the the crew chief for our, the race team I was on. Yep. And I said, I know, I know, I know Tom, I, I, but I, I really think I can do it. And he's like, just, just don't do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I really think I can. And then he paused, and he's like, if you have any doubt, any doubt whatsoever, just don't do it at all. And I'm like, and you know, prior to doing your first backflip on a snowmobile, you're like sweating bullets, right? So I'm just filled with fear. And he's like, just, if you got any fear, just don't do it. And I'm like, no, 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 I feel really good. I think it's going to go well. So, so I go ahead, and then on Sunday, like when we finally get to that day, I remember all we had was a we had a skid steer and and we built this big snow landing and we couldn't get the snow up it and I had just a rubber tire one with tracks over it couldn't climb it. So you were gonna do your first backflip without a foam pit? 
Yeah, that's I. Well, I practiced in a foam pit originally. Okay, so you you had gotten some backflips into a foam. Yeah, pit. like so about a month before that. So the, your your first jump into a foam pit, how nervous were you? I was pretty excited. I was I like, well, you, so you excited. watched a lot of guys do it, I suppose. Because yeah. to me, you're thinking like, oh, man, we're, we're coming in and we're, we're stopping. Well, the hard, the crazy thing about the foam pit is like you don't know what's going to happen. Like I've jumped my whole life, but you never jump. Like I guess the closest thing you can like put it up against would be like jumping into powder. You, you don't know when you're going to hit the bottom, like when it's going to... Sinking, sinking, yeah. sinking. Yeah. Oh, over the handlebars. Yeah, that's what <laughs> That's what was weird is like I was... I remember I was braced as I was coming into the foam and then it didn't do anything. So I don't know if I like let off. And then when it finally did hit, then I just collapsed to the seat. And I remember I just butt dropped the seat the first well, time. Because it's like thinking there's an extra step at the bottom of a flight of stairs. Yeah. So you're like, hey, I'm going to drop. And all of a sudden, nope, I'm not dropping anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. Did, did you catch a minute ago when he was sit, he was, he was was on the phone with Tom and he was sweating bullets and he looked at us like, well, you you know how it is when you do your first backflip on a <laughs> snowmobile and you're sweating. And he looked at all of us like, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what yeah. you mean. <laughs> I mean, maybe on like a, I don't know, bicycle or... Uh, have you done any backflips on anything? Oh, man. I've I, done front flips on a trampoline before. Have you? I yeah. tried off a diving board once. It, that didn't even end well. That didn't go well? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I maybe man. done them in something, but not on purpose. Like, yeah. I didn't know I was about to do it. Oh. And it definitely didn't get landed. We'll have to uh, we'll I've, have to get it where you're trying to do it. I've done a few supermans on snowmobiles. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. <laughs> they also didn't end well. Didn't go well. <laughs> but you That's, did. That was actually the final the final testament to that XCSP I was talking about earlier. <laughs> that ended it? That, you're Superman? But was it for, for the ladies or was it just, just for uh, your no, own was, pleasure? Yeah, no, we were, we were in a gravel pit. Yeah. Just screwed around a gravel pit and I, and I come up and hit the, you know, the snow comes over the, the edge and, and uh, first time I hit... I tried a couple times and didn't didn't break through, so you know, get stuck, pull it out, just kind of roll it down the hill, whatever. Right. Come around, hit a little harder, hit a little harder. So I move over and I'm like, "Well, I'll bust through it this time." And I just hit, and it was hard as a rock. So oh, when I just I hit kicked it, it. It oh yeah, kicked it, just shot it away from me. <laughs> so I hung on for a little bit till I was basically, you know, hanging on the handlebars, legs straight back, and then I and then I lost the handlebars. So the th- I'm watching the snowmobile <laughs> just soar through the air, straight up and down, and it come down and landed square on the back bumper, and just the tunnel just collapsed. Oh. And a freeze running out. So call my brother like, uh, bring snowmobile trailer. We're over in the gravel pit, <laughs> and that was the final. So uh, how did you land then? Oh, I think I just face planted into the snow, yeah. hard hard snow. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a. It wasn't, wasn't Kush. No. It wasn't a graceful <laughs> was landing. Uh, no. 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 That was the 01 uh, 500. Yep. XCSP. SP. So I had an 01 XCSP 600. And that's what I broke my hip on. Okay. Busted. Yeah, not broke my hip. I broke my, busted my pelvis. Randy thinks gotcha. it's hilarious when I say it's I broke my hip. It is. To be specific. Yeah. I was 19. Yep. Just up the road here, actually. My, my brother, my dad, and I, we went to the local bar for lunch. And then on the way back, so we had the groomed trail on the south side of the road. And then on the north side of the road was where the big drifts were. Right. And I was going to, I was bound and determined when we hit that mile stretch there that I was going to take the north side and hit all the drifts, hit all the big jumps. And I was still going to beat my dad and my brother to the other end. <laughs> but they beat me by two, three weeks. <laughs> so 
So you that went, had a small detour. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up two, in Hennepin weeks. County a couple hours later. So you oh. ended up you ended up in the ER. I ended yeah. So Douglas County came and got me. I went to Alexandria. Yep. And then they took a couple X rays, which was some of the most painful things I've done in my life. Like roll to your side, like. I can't broken. my brain is not communicating with anything from the chest down like I can't I don't and then they'd roll me and it would hurt like hell right so at at what point did they cut your pants off pretty quickly uh yeah that was in the ambulance oh I know where you're going with this so why Randy do you have some sort of a story so (laughs) (laughs) so there's so there's two things you learned growing up yeah I don't remember the first thing. And the second thing is always whenever, I don't, how does it go didn't, exactly? Didn't, Hold on. Your when you, mother, didn't your mother tell you growing up that you should always wear nice underwear in case you're in an accident? Yes, that's it. Oh, man. They were clean. So, They're so, just like I'd worn them many hundreds the of times. The nurses cut, on, cut Zach's pants off and, and find like a couple strings of underwear on his body. They, they, they literally just had to like <laughs> snip here and here. Oh, they and were here. impressed. It's <laughs> the most holiest so, underwear so there was, that exists on well, the planet. Well, if you find a pair that fits well, you don't want to just get rid of it. All right, all right. So there was things hanging out. I'm going to come clean on this. So <laughs> two of them. <laughs> Not, so, the, so the third one stayed put. <laughs> it, that one doesn't come out on its own. <laughs> my, uh, so my, my wife, Kristen, she's always on me about about my underwear you know because i'd like <clears throat> like you said you got a good pair you hang you keep them around right you hang on to those <clears throat> so i and, and i always have like i have like my work undies and then there's my nice ones right so it's just like during the week i'm like i just wear my normal ones right well there was a couple pair that had some holes like around the band at the top right and of course that was the day i go for my skin check which I didn't think of that. So I go and you get like the skin, you strip down to your undies and then they like check to see if you got any moles or skin cancer or anything like that. And I didn't realize that I had those ones on. So I got these <laughs> holy underwear. <laughs> and, and then I like, as I like, I took my pants off. I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh man, I'm that guy right now. <laughs> holy underwear. So I just sat there and just tried to talk a lot while she was. Doing my skin it drives check. my wife nuts too, but I call those emergency pairs. Yeah. So you always you always got to keep those there in case you're not underwear. You, you got right. emergency yeah. pairs. Like right. middle of harvest, you, I'm not doing laundry, so you just wear right. everything you have. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean you've already turned them inside out a couple times. Yeah, like it's it's time to wash those or throw them in the hamper. The, yep, yeah. gotta the go best, to the emergency. The best part of it all was so these were the underwear that Zach had on, and they they actually didn't cut his underwear off. They didn't need to do that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> they didn't need to. They left them as is on his body, and then he got transported down to the cities in an ambulance and. And then for basically, I think it was like all seven days because it was up until like day six that they left him in these underwear because they were they were trying to determine if they were going to do surgery or not. So every nurse or doctor he saw over the next seven <laughs> days got to see him like, in the most. Like, oops, they cut your underwear as they're cutting your pants yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't wear them like this, guys. Come on. So seven days in the hospital. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, on his seven back. days in and Hennepin they County. They That's didn't get one. him up like walking around until at least day five. I don't think like it was the same exact time. Um, who's the, there was a Polaris racer that broke his back. Oh yeah. Um, God dang it! If you say his name, Bo- not Bobby. LePage. Yes, LePage. Yes, was it? He was in there at the same time. He came in like a day or two after me. Oh, so wow. I was in Hennepin County the same. Like same wing, same area at gotcha. the same exact time. Were you gotcha. were you still 
racing with players at that time? Um, what year was that? No, he was not. No, I w- it was after, right? No, you were in college, so no. Oh yeah, I was in tech school. Yeah, so that was that okay. was a couple couple of years later. Yeah. So we should also 2005. I think it was five that that Four. happened to me. Okay. Four I think five. it was January 05. Yeah, that okay. would make sense. So yeah. then we should add in that you also raced snowmobile for a short stint for those who don't know. I did, yeah. I ran snowcross for a year and a half. Okay. So not a lot, but I'm sure Levi remembers me. Oh, totally yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah. I went down. You were, you were on like the cover of the of the um, yearbook and e- stuff, right? Everything, yeah. Was yeah. Sports Illustrated, yeah. you're thinking. Oh, of. Sports <laughs> Illustrated. <laughs> the swimsuit with edition. His, <laughs> with his underwear. <laughs> with his underwear. <laughs> yeah, the swimsuited underwear edition. <laughs> uh, well, I went down. So my dad has a very good friend who worked for Polaris for a long time. And um, so we were down, actually, the year we bought my race sled, which would have been, it was an 03 sled, so it would have been late 02 we were down there. That was the year they went with the short seat. Mm-hmm. You know, they shortened yep. up the seat. And yep. really, that was like, that was all they did. But doing that, you looked at that sled, and it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, look at we're that We're going to go so fast on this. Oh, yeah, like it's, it was that. the same chassis. They just shortened the yeah. seat up, and it was amazing to see that. Yeah. But it, that was the that was the year that... I, so I had raced the year before on actually on somebody else's sled a few times. Okay. But then in 03 was when I ran that other sled. And I remember seeing you down there. We were down in, um, is it Rockford? Where the Polaris, where Polaris kind of had their kickoff and revealed the race sleds. Oh, and, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing you down yeah. there because I knew who you were because you were pro at that time. Yeah, 2003 was my first year. Yeah. Turn pro. Yeah, so that, that was when I got into it and I was just into it for that year there. But yeah. And dad raced sleds in the 70s and 80s. He ran the 500 from Winnipeg to Minneapolis, that 500-mile race. Right, right. He ran that four times. Um, he got in the top 10 once. That's awesome. Yeah. Didn't they it's just, awesome that he completed that. Yeah. Didn't they just bring that back? That, they were trying to the do I-500? it. They tried several times, yeah, and they, they wanted to try to do the Winnipeg one sure. down, but they said it's like it, it's a tremendous job trying to put that race on to try to get – uh, land approval from people a lot to, to come across. yeah sure. to set yep. that all up which is a bummer because like that's kind of like one of my bucket list things is yeah. like i would like to i would i would love to be able to do that race um i tried the 500 in 99 and 2000 when they had it in war road and they would just do three three loops like in we, the three days that's what they did a couple of years ago here right yeah when the snow conditions were Oh, terribles, that's what I'm just up, did yeah. a loop up there. Yep. Yeah. Around like Thief River Falls, maybe. Yeah. Have you ever yep. have you ever ran the Iron Dog? I have not. Okay. I <clears throat> I get asked to do it. Like it, we we used to or not used to. We went to Arctic Man, which is like uh an event where you pull a, a skier um up the mountain behind your snowmobile oh, really? in Jeez. Alaska. So I went there and I participated in that event you were the skier times. i assume yeah i was the skier <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so i went with uh darren ralves who's like a red bull um like skier and the guy's like he's a madman right so he, how the event works yeah, is that guy's crazy yeah <laughs> i had like the easy job it's like you just go fast in a snowmobile he's hanging on like 20 feet behind me onto a rope and i'm going 90 mile an hour with my snowmobile and you're Holy trying not cow. to rooster tail him so yeah, he can see what's going exactly. on exactly and i'm going dude you're and you're, you're up you're up this isn't flat ground no no, no it's he comes down 
he comes down uh, this mountain and then he meets me in this canyon and like I, I he comes ripping around this turn. He's got the little wind suit on, the like skin tight deal, nineteen eighties jogger suit. Yeah, he has that, but it's amazing how much faster that thing makes him. Like because it's we, like a wetsuit for the snow. It's this. It's like with it's the skiers skin wear. tight. Yeah, it's skin have, tight. Have you ever tried to wear it? Riding the snowmobile? He I wanted mean, me to. <laughs> he wanted me to. He had another like, one. And like, I'm like, what are you like, doing with that baby? I gotta wear my SSR coat, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I said, I'll pin it tight, you know? So. <laughs> what are you doing flapping in the wind? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> but but, um, but it, it's true, though, like, because, you know, the guys that win are winning by less than a second. So it's like, right. legitimately, he had reason to, like, want me to wear it. And I'm like, why don't we just go faster? <laughs> kind of like what I was thinking. Just hang on real tight, yeah. buddy. I'll get you there. So so anyway, so when he put on his, his ninja suit, he would, like, I'm not even kidding. It was probably 20-plus mile an hour faster. Like, when That's he went crazy. down in his snow pants, he would round the corner, and I would, like, you kind of, you have to meet him, match his speed, and then you have, like, a water ski handle so on, like, a little pvc pipe oh, that you're grabbing him on the go he doesn't stop. on the go he's on the go so Jeez. yeah so it's like so he comes around the corner and then you take off and you meet him and you you like literally have like a pvc pipe on a ski rope and then with the handle on the end of it and you like hold that out to the did side you, and you, and you match his speed and then he grabs it and you take off did you ever clip his ski and you both go tumbling oh he, i i <laughs> It's once he put the ninja suit on, like when you're going, when he's in his snow pants, I mean, it's like, I think anyone could do it, but you, I mean, cause you're maybe going like 20 or 30. Okay. But like when he puts the suit on, I bet you're doing 50 or 60 Wow. and you're looking over your shoulder trying to hand this guy a, a rope and, and you can't like he coming, he's coming straight at you from the side, you know, he's perpendicular to you. And then he rounds the corner and when he rounds the corner, you go, Oh my goodness, he's flying. And then you just grab a handful and you're like, Wah! and you're trying to catch up to him and hand him the rope and he's in front of you or 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 you get way ahead of him and then you let off. Then he goes flying by you. So it's like, it's... It's all about sure. the timing. It yeah. is. It's like wow. really a timing thing. And so does he try to ride? Does he try to stay beside you then? Because yeah. you're shooting a heck of a rooster yeah. regardless of what it, you're doing. We at. even take... Uh, I, I took a second snow flap and cut it in half and put that on on each side oh, sure, just to try to, try to, keep to the, help. But yep. it's still, I mean, it looks like a fire hose of ice and snow roosting at him. Right. So he always stays off to the side, but the course, so like when I pick him up, then we have to go up the other side of the mountain. So it's like they take a groomer and they just cut it all along the side of this mountain all the way okay. to the top. So when when I'm, I mean, it's left, right, left, right, yep. you know, and I'm like in full cross country mode. So I'm setting up wide and I'm like apex and like kissing the inside of, of the bank and drifting out. So there's nowhere for him to go. So I either roost him or he has to cut across and like to stay out of it so that he's getting the roost and at he, some point. And you're throwing golf ball size ice chunks at him. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, you catch them in the fingertips. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Snowcross guys, of Ooh. course you are catching that, you know, the ice oh, coming over. But, yeah. What's but the distance that you're pulling this guy for? Mm, we probably pull him for a few miles. Oh, my God. 
But the That's cool crazy. thing, the cool thing is, you get to the top. Once once I drag him to the top, then you like crest the top, and it's like a slight downhill. There's kind of this flat area, and then it just like there's like this huge drop, like the um, slalom like Olympic stuff where you see those guys do the big like high oh, speed sure. jump. Yep. Launch or whatever. Yeah. They, so what he does is like on that like kind of flat area, I'm just wide open in my talk going as fast as I can. And he's like, he's like a water ski jumper. He's all the way on the right side. And then he starts cutting like, uh. Uh, he starts cutting to try to gain even more speed. And you can feel the back of the sled. He's like pulling the back of the sled and then he'll let go once he like builds all the speed and when he lets go, you know, he's the sled's pulling left That's and an then it, it he lets no go way. of it and you're going ninety mile an hour and then all of a sudden the sled's like the back end wants to go right. So then you get swapping. Like on a windy day when oh. you hit a grove, there's no more wind yeah. in a vehicle. And it, so there was like fortunately it didn't happen to me, but there was one guy where when the guy let go, he he had a, a bigger skier and he pulled so hard that it when he let go the sled came around and he just high sided at nine yeah. mile an hour and uh, sled cart man. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty wild. But anyway, so back to uh back to well, the Iron Man. Iron yeah, Iron, Iron Dog. Iron, Dog. Iron, Dog. Iron Man. <laughs> so Sorry. every time I go up there, it's all the people that run the Iron Dog. Actually, um Two of them, Tyson and and Tyler, they've won Iron Dog a couple times. Okay, and they're the guys that are always winning Arctic Man as well. So it's like they're always like, "Yeah, you should come up and and do this." And they're they're telling me about it, and they're like, "Yeah, like that one time we were out on the ocean, and then it all the ice broke away from land, and and we were out." out there and then we had to water skip across and people were sinking their sleds and and it's like 20 below and and i'm going that sounds terrible sounds great <laughs> like it's miserable like, so, so, have, so you do have a point where you're just like no well it's good to know that it, <laughs> yeah, but it, an ambulance can come get you when you're stuck in the bering sea yeah, yeah exactly. well so we have so we have a, a mutual friend uh who was on the podcast before yeah uh, dear so he's. Ran. I think I told Levi about him. Okay. Uh, when he came up this last winter. Okay. We got this buddy of ours that's run it what four times or five times? Oh. Four or five times. Um, I don't remember. One of the times he was one that sunk in the in the ocean. Yeah, ironically, oh. he got out sunk there. Sunk in the Bering him Sea. And, him and his buddy teammate. sunk. Yeah. So I don't remember how many times he's finished it, but he's finished it at least twice. Oh. I think I think it is. I think it is twice. Yeah. But he's run it four or five. Yep. Um. So they had the Bering Sea incident the one year. And him, him and the teammate, you know, they didn't know how deep it was. They had moved the trail because the tide had come in on the top of the ice. Right. And they had moved the trail. And his story goes that the, the person who was supposed to be guiding them and saying, hey, the trail's moved, you got to go left here, don't go straight, he was in brushing his teeth in the cabin. <laughs> and they flew by. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he comes running out like, oh, shit. And next thing they know, they're skipping across the Bering Sea. Well... They didn't know, you know, it's dark out. I think he said it was, I mean, it was late at night. It was dark out. It was they the middle of the night. They had no idea, yep. you know, what's in front of them. So the next thing they know, they're skipping water. Well, how long is this going to go, you know? 100 white, yards, white, 200 yards? White caps coming at them trying to skip oh. across. Next thing you know, yeah, you're on white caps. What are you going to do, turn around? Right. I mean, the only choice you have at that point is to just keep on it keep and going. go. Pretty much because the village, someone from the village had seen the lights out there. Yep. And then 
didn't see the lights anymore. Right. And kind of went looking for them. So they went walking towards the village lights. They could see, like, on the horizon, they could see in the sky that there was there had to be a village over that way. Right. And they just started walking on the top of the ice. Small, so they're in, yeah. like, waist-deep water. So at, at, uh, waist are even a little higher because then the next morning, then when the helicopter was light, so the helicopter flew over, then it had gone down enough. There was just two, two, uh, two windshields sticking out of the water. As, yep. as the tide's going back out. Jeez. Yeah, that was nuts. Oh. We were in Arizona when that happened. <laughs> I saw it on the news, remember, actually. I remember kind of following him online and like, mm, this doesn't sound good. Because his partner, one year his oh. partner got frostbite and the medics took him out. Yep. Uh, one year they had a whole bunch of snowmobile trouble and I think they missed a checkpoint. They burned so that, down like three engines up between yeah. the Something two like of them. Something like that. And, and then halfway <laughs> or three quarters through, they missed the checkpoints and they were down there so far back and... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think they finished it at least twice. I think. Yeah, but that's probably like the. That's the thing that makes me the most nervous about it is like all of the uncertainty. Of, right. Because I, I, I haven't really experienced that type of like the frostbite thing. Is like I'm not a huge fan of being frozen, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're and, not a big fan of that. Huh? <laughs> and, well, what what would that do for your career? What? Well, I mean, you're, to I, get it'd severe, just be like, like, cool. I, I did it. You right. Know, that's. But like I mean, but if thing. you got frostbite, so if you frostbite your your hand, what would that do to your career? I mean, you're not. Well, if my fingers and stuff stayed, then I, if I had to cut them off, that'd be a bad day. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but at this point, I think what he's saying, like, I mean, you're, you're, you're mostly retired from, yeah, doing a lot of this. Right. But I think he's saying, like, if you frostbite your hand, you know, ten years ago when you were in the thick of things, oh. I mean, that that could mess up. I thought you were saying, career. like, come on, man, you're, you're making excuses. You should <laughs> no, go I, do I it. Yeah. No, I, I was a couple of little frostbite. <laughs> Basically, I was calling you pussy. Oh, <laughs> no, I was the other way. No, I, I mean, it's the, the, I would say, like, back in the day, when they do that too, when do they do it? They do it in February. I think it's February, think it's February sometimes. Yeah. Isn't it? So that would probably be the hardest part about doing it is like, February is always like the busy month. Yeah, it's like all the races because it's like typically the most can the most likely to have snow everywhere is February, right? right? Yeah. January, February. So they they pack a lot in February typically. So that's when most events and things like that. X Games is end of January. All the um, all the other things like when we do projects, it's always like first part of February. Right, that's your do. peak season. So it'd be tough to to get a way to do it, right? Just for that, yep, for that reason. So we were we were talking about the backflips earlier, mm-hmm. and we got off it. But what? So your first time backflipping without the foam pit? Oh yeah. So first time backflipping. So we couldn't we couldn't get snow up the landing to even jump to. So like we had my buddies, my buddy's dad was there. The the EMT. And he was there for like all afternoon, and we couldn't get snow up it. And finally, so finally, I said, you know, just go home. We're not gonna, we're we're not gonna do it. We keep working on it, trying to get snow up there. And do you ever make snow? Do you have a snow machine? Mm-hmm. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. Not back then. Okay. Back, not not at all back then. But now you do. Now we do. Cool. But so we um so. We're not getting it, and my buddy's working at it. He brought his ASV over, which has it's a little bit better um, going through the snow. It just stays on top better than okay. the, 
and mine did. So he was pushing the snow up there, and, and he's making it about two thirds of the way, three quarter of the way, and we're all kind of basically watching. the snow just keeps sliding back down, or it's yeah, just not sticking, just trenching and and whatnot. And it's like it's starting to get you know dusk, and we're losing light. And then all of a sudden he makes it. He makes it to the top, and there are like four of us or five of us left. And we're all like, yes, it's <laughs> happening right now. You know, we were like so jacked. Get that EMT so guy like, back. So, I mean, we didn't even we didn't even think about that, which I was kind of silly. But anyway, so <laughs> he gets the snow up there. And I'm like, I run, get my helmet on, get all my stuff. And I remember I remember the day before, um, this was lesson learned, was I I groomed the I groomed the run in to the ramp and so I groomed you, underneath it. So you have a, a, a you had a grooming machine at that just time? Just a skid steer at skid that steer. time. Just okay. Skid steer. So, like back drag your just bucket or a special it. just back okay. Yeah. Yep. So I back drug like snow so it turned into ice is what I oh, sure. essentially did. Yep. Then I put my ramp on it. Okay. And I didn't have back then I didn't have like uh, now we put like a bin block behind it so okay. it doesn't move. <clears throat> so anyway, I set the ramp on the ice. And I remember when we went for, when I was going to do this, we got the landing. I, I hit the ramp um, eight times. Uh, the eighth one. Just to make it, make it comfortable. Like, yeah. yep, I can, I got to hit it this I, fast. I kept doing I gotta, my like speed check. You come yeah. up and speed check it. And on the eighth one is when I finally did it. And back then I didn't have, now we put AstroTurf down so it doesn't dig a oh, big sure. trench up to the ramp. So the reason I like back drug it was so that it was smooth and it wasn't all trenched out going up to the ramp. And what I did wrong was I groomed underneath the ramp as well. So I essentially put my ramp on ice. So the ramp push will push. So the ramp went from 65 feet. Back then we used to go 65 feet ramp to knuckle. So we measured it after I, I did the flip. It was at 50 57 feet so it moved it moved a foot per jump is what it ended up so every time it just kept moving a little bit a little bit and you didn't know it every time so i just kept getting closer and closer to the to the landing (laughs) and when i did the flip finally i remember i panic revved the whole way around (laughs) and i landed and i mean i i remember just throwing my arms up i jumped off my sled and i run and like hugging my buddies and we're high-fiving and, and i mean it was like we won the lottery or something it was such a cool moment we did that one flip and then the next day i remember i i did three flips and then the following day i did five and then i went to the we went out to uh billings montana for uh, the freestyle x games qualifier and we ended up winning that and that's how we got into freestyle at x games okay with with the backflip, the backflip kind of puts you over yeah. the edge. <clears throat> so and then, then you pulled the the backflip in the X Games, right? Yep. So then we went to the X Games that year, and we were in snowcross, speed and style, and freestyle. And um, in fr- uh, speed and style is up first, and we won speed and style, and then snowcross. Like I was, this was pretty typical for me. I would qualify for the final and then i would crash i think i crashed like five years in a row at x games i remember that yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so that was pretty typical but anyway so i we won speed and style crashed in snow cross and then in freestyle you know i was complete underdog I, i i didn't have the biggest tricks for sure 
Um, there were some guys doing some flip variations. And I remember I just, the one thing that I had was I was a racer. So I just was wide open on the track and I got three more jumps in than everyone oh, else. Sure. So with that, I ended up winning. Um, we, we won freestyle as well, which, you know, so there we won two gold medals and, and I mean, we're happy as clams, you know, freestyle was on Sunday, the last day of X games. And we won that. And I remember afterwards I was, I was upstairs in the trailer changing and uh, I get a phone call and it was a random number and it was, ended up being uh, Tim Erickson, who's like the main guy at, from X games. And he said, Hey, this is Tim. Um, you know, we, I just wanted to congratulate you on an amazing X games. I'm like, man, I'm so excited. So pumped how it went. And he goes, you know, each year we vote a, a male and female athlete of the X games and we voted you male athlete. And I'm like, no way. That's awesome. Right. So I was pretty excited about that. Was that the first time you won a gold medal? Uh, I won a gold medal in 2004. 2004. In Hillcross. Okay. That was my first medal. And um, so he goes, yeah, so you're male athlete of X games. I'm like, that's cool. And, and he goes, and with that, um, you win a new Jeep. And I'm no like, way. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you win a new Jeep. <laughs> was, it a, was it a Hot Wheels, like the electric one? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I like, I, I like in the old trailer, it had, it was kind of like, like I was in a submarine or something. There was just a hole that you would like climb up the ladder and go yeah. up into. Anyway, I stuck my head down the hole and I'm yelling. I'm like, Glenn, Glenn, our, our crew chief. I'm like, Glenn, Glenn. I want a Jeep. I want a Jeep. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so cool. So, Onyx has got a question. Yeah. What was you? What was your reaction when you realized somebody did the backflip before you? The backflip. it. Oh, the double backflip. Yeah. Oh, I was excited for him. So it was Daniel Bodine landed the first double backflip on a snowmobile, um, which would have been two thousand. Maybe 17, 18, somewhere in there. It would have been 17, I think. But anyway, so when we when we, when we we first started the double flip, it was 2009. and um, Holy cow, that long? Yeah, so like we rotated it, but uh, the way I had that set up, it was destined to fail. Like you, it's just hard to land from 60 feet in the sky to flat, right? Is it really? <laughs> or at least for me it is <laughs> at least for me I, I thought that sounds so easy <laughs> so usually when I'm 60 feet up I have no issue coming down yeah well, man, like a cat surviving every it time. is the problem <laughs> yeah. yeah gravity gets you there yeah you're gonna be able to come down yeah you know, yeah yeah I came down like a ton of bricks for sure <laughs> but we um you know it was cool that year, the goal was to just show that it was possible, that you could rotate it, and it would have been great to land it. It would have saved me a broken leg a couple years later, but I was just grateful that I didn't break my back there because I landed super hard, and it, I landed literally like six inches to the left, and I think if I would have landed square, I would have squashed my back pretty bad. So Wait, before we get into too many of your, your injuries... Uh, this podcast is brought to you by. Hey guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you have heard us talk about FBN Direct as the place where you can get the lowest prices on herbicides 
fungicides, pesticides, adjuvants, basically everything that you need to keep your crops healthy and growing. Well, here's something new. Now everybody can see the chemical prices online at FBN.com. So even if you're not an FBN member, this is your chance to see what we've been talking about. They have opened up the doors to help farmers out there so that you can see exactly how much you could be saving. These are big savings that can help your farm win this crop year. Join FBN and become a member. Call 844-200-FARM, 844-200-FARM. And we're back on the Off the Husk podcast. See what we did there? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So before we go into injuries, uh, I want to go back to the first gold medal. Okay. How many days did you wear that? Before you took it off. <laughs> I mean, how many times did you shower, bathe? I mean, yeah. I slept with it a few times. No, yeah. like no, it was three you know, weeks. The funny thing was, they've always had X Games, and then our next event is New York. So we're literally like, we finish X Games, and it would be like hightailing out to New York. So you're saying you're walking around New York with a gold medal around your neck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. I didn't even have really time to savor it. One year, the one year that I I did get to, um, kind of play that part was in 2008, the year that we won male athlete of the X Games because our my hometown of Longville, um they surprised me with this this big party in town uh, because we had an off weekend. Well, you get a party and they haven't even they haven't even contacted me about my parade in the township <laughs> here. I, you got to talk with your township, man. <laughs> I'm going to find out who the supervisor is of this township. I'm sure it's covid related. Yeah. It I has guess. to be. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry I blew up township. <laughs> so so that was like the only time that I got to really play that part yeah, right. it was cool though like yeah. that that's a fun story too like so i remember i was i was supposedly going to dinner with my grandma we we're gonna meet my grandma there and um i remember i was riding in with my brother-in-law in his truck and as we get into town i'm like hey there's it's like a couple cops over there you know what are they doing you know and i'm like i don't know maybe it's just turn the other way yeah turn the other way <laughs> don't look at them <laughs> and, uh, don't make eye contact sure enough you know so we go by and um or, or no he pulled in and he i remember he like went to talk to the you know we all know the town cops and stuff so so he um he pulls in and talks to him and then we pull out and then the cops turn their lights on and they're like following us and i'm like hey like do you think I, we should pull over? <laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, like get the lights on. Like, we either need to pull over or yeah. speed up, yeah. man. <laughs> but you got to decide. Yeah, you got to make your what decision. What we're doing right now is we're just making them angry, okay? <laughs> so uh, so we go, and, and I said, I'm like, dude, I think we were supposed to pull over. He's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he just keeps driving. And I'm like, this is going to go really bad We're already soon. pulled over. <laughs> I can't pull over any further. <laughs> so we, we turn on to... Uh, main street then and um then there was like these fourth of july fireworks were going off and then we pull up to patrick's the restaurant in town and there are cars everywhere and i'm like holy cow and and they um i went in there and they you know they had um all the folks from town were there and and they they named uh 
the last day of January as Levi the Valley Day. So, oh, sweet! So How cool is that? Cool. Pretty awesome. Ago. They still celebrate that. I just say, I just say, rev up your engines is what it is. So you're supposed to get in your car and hold it wide open or whatever you're on, <laughs> hold it wide open for a little bit. Out of, yeah. out of curiosity, do they have like a billboard as you're like pulling into town that says like home of Levi La Valley? There's there are signs on on both the north and south side. Nice, That's cool. Yeah. Were we talking about that in the podcast the other day, but or was it general conversation? I don't know where, where we were talking about that, but it was pretty funny how like small towns really like to hold on to their like. They're just they're so nostalgic and proud of their yeah. people. Like the you ni- know? 1965 girls basketball championship, <laughs> yeah. state yeah. champs, yeah. just up the road from us, and it, it's been there since 1965. That's, that's awesome. awesome for sure. It's pretty funny, but yeah, that that's cool. That's super awesome. Yeah, so that sign is gonna outlive you, man. The, the, this is what's funny. It won't though. repaint it, so don't <laughs> let it go to your head. <laughs> my my dad's dog has a statue in town. So, all right. Well, you yeah. can't just drop that and yeah, not tell the what, story. So, like, everyone signs say Levi the Valley's dad's dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, my dad. <laughs> it's a little wax statue. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, his dad, my dad's dog, Bruno, he has since passed away, but uh, Bruno. He would run. So my parents lived like four miles from town, and he would run to town every day. How big of a town is this? Uh, 156 people. Oh, so, it is that small. I didn't realize yeah. it was that small. Okay. Yeah. So so they Bruno would run to town every day when Dad would leave for work, and he would start chasing after him, and then he realized, like, well, I'm going to just keep going. There's a bunch of stuff in town, and he figured out, like, people have food in town. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, and it's not dog food. They'll feed me. It's fun food. Whatever, right. Everybody so, loves me there. So he starts running to town. My mom's like, she was freaking out on dad in the early days. Like, you got to lock your dog up. Yeah, you can't. You got to put a fence up, do this. And my dad, I remember my dad, he's like, lock him up, chain him up. Would you like to be chained up? That'd be <laughs> right. terrible. Is what dad said. <laughs> so he's like, I'm not chaining him up. So, so anyway, he, he keeps doing this. And at first people are like, what is this dog doing? Well, then like, he was a super nice dog. He just wanted to be someone to pet him. So he would just sit on your feet and, you know, if you're sitting down or standing, he'll just lean on your legs and, you know, sit there and look at you. So he did this for a while. And then, um, and then all of a sudden the town caught on, they're like, Hey, Bruno's pretty cool. So they had him in the 4th of July parade. He was the grand marshal of the fourth of july parade. <laughs> nice. yeah and um and then then the news came up and did a, a an article or a, a video on him and and then there were like people people started coming just to find him and get picture with him and whatnot so they had they put the statue then in town of him and it, it was crazy but it was funny because this this is all happening as i'm like in the peak of my career i'm doing World record jumps and double backflips and, and all this stuff. People are driving to town to yeah, see your dad's and, dog. and they're like, <laughs> everyone's like, they're like, I think your dad's dog's cooler than you are, right? Yeah. And like, and I, I told him like he is like he's he runs to town for the you know the flower planting, you know when the the 
pedal, what do they call them? The flower peddlers or something? Oh, they the call ladies them? that plant all yeah, the flowers. Yeah, they plant in all town. the flowers. Yep. So if he goes into town when they're there, they take pictures of them and then they put them in the newspaper. So the cover is like Bruno came in for flower planting this year, and he's so he was always in the news. And I'm like, I have to do a double backflip on a snowmobile or jump 400 feet to make it in the newspaper. You could have just hung out with the flower yeah. ladies the whole time. So to tell her Bruno. As long as we're talking about dogs, so this morning was uh, the first day our kids went to school and yours. Yep. Uh, so normally, normally we get up, we leave. They let the dog out. So Tina has my wife has a uh, uh, miniature dachshund, so a little wiener dog. Named Barbie, Q. Barbecue. Barbecue. Gotcha. Or Barb. So Barbie, yep. So this morning, I, I stuck around a little later to uh, get the kids off to school, see them off, and I let the dog out. So Tina had to leave earlier, so she's leaving with the one kid who had to be to school a little earlier. So I got all of our youngest who didn't have to be there right away. And the, the stupid dog runs into the cornfield next to our house. Oh, and no. would not come out of the cornfield. For 40 minutes, I'm calling this dog. <laughs> And she would run out of the cornfield, and then she'd wag her tail at me, and she'd run <laughs> she to was... me, and just before I could grab her, she would turn around and run back into the cornfield. It's <laughs> a good so game. I'm, so I'm walking around this cornfield. You corn didn't have field. anything going on. No, not at all. <laughs> so I'm walking around this cornfield calling this dog. Oliver's on the outside of the cornfield squeaking her dog toy. I got a treat for her, and she she about five times would run up to me, turn around, run back into the cornfield. She didn't want She'll never eat a treat ever again. Now you know. she'll Because once they figure that out, that treats are just to get them to do right. something, well, they're like, my dogs won't eat treats because they're just like, She no, wears a perimeter collar yeah. now. <laughs> but so finally, finally she come out of the corn and, and I got her caught after like 40 minutes. I'm like, I got to get to work. I got to get all over to school. So I, I put her in the house. Well, it's also her anniversary today. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so 15 years. So you so couldn't shoot, shoot the dog. Tina. No, otherwise I was like, I was like, I was like, this damn dog is gonna have a wilderness day. I'm like, oh, it's our anniversary. I can't leave Tina's dog out here all day. The bald eagles, day. <laughs> the bald eagles will come and get her at some point. So I'm like, I'll, I'll wait for the dog. Wilderness. So day. now she wears a uh, now she wears a perimeter collar, so well, she can only go about a row into this. This all happened today. Well, she's uh, she's had the perimeter collar. You just didn't oh, okay. have it on her. She she hasn't needed like, it the last yeah. So she, we haven't put it on in the last month because she always sticks around and and the boys are home. So I just let her out or right. you know, and she comes back when she wants to. But this morning everyone's leaving. Got to get back in the house. So you'll yeah. never take that collar off again, will you? Well, the battery's dead. So I told Milo, when you get home from school, get the perimeter collar working. I actually told Milo to. Put the collar around his wrist and go walk out and make sure the perimeter Test collar works. <laughs> <laughs> Run wide open into the cornfield and see yeah. what happens. Oh, so that's yeah. my that's my wiener dog story of the day. <laughs> it's, it's good you have one of those. Yeah. What kind of dog was Bruno? He was, we, we always thought he was just a mutt, but it's a, what do they call it? It was like a American Indian dog or I don't know. It's some, it, he's brown. He was like brown. He had crazy eyes, and the funny thing is, is there's a movie that is like almost the exact same story as Bruno. Oh, that it's definitely it's like based off it's, of Bruno. I think it's like Brown Dog, or I don't know what it's called. It was, but my parents had the movie, and it was like about this dog, and it's the same breed, and it was, you know, he would hang out in town, and everyone liked him, and they he ended up with a statue. Very poetic. So Bruno yeah. always came home at night. Then, like before everybody, people came would home? bring him back. Oh. They had a collar. They had a collar, and it had a, their phone number in their answering machine. It would say, "If you're calling about Bruno, 
um, you know, just bring him back or, <laughs> so, or, or, or leave or let us know where he is and we'll come get him is what they would say. You, but he would just go to a local guy. There's like this, this older gentleman that would like, he would just throw him in his truck and well, bring him back. A town, so knew, a town of 170 people. Yeah. yeah they and knew whose yeah, dog it was. Yeah. 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 Oh, so you, funny. did you, did you say how far you were, how far out of town were, was your He parents? would run like four miles. Oh, you're four miles out of town. Yeah. Oh, so you were good. In run? the old days, he would come back sometimes. Sometimes he would come back, but after a while, like when he was, like the last handful of years, he was. You could see he had arthritis in yep. his shoulders and stuff. We had a black lab that way. Yeah, so, so he we, started like getting a little bit slower. But I mean, he was a trooper, man. He he would go. I remember seeing him in the winter, and it was it would be like those frigid twenty below days, and he'd be just trucking into town in in his <laughs> icicles hanging off yeah, of his whiskers it, it would it literally he like had this the ice just flowing off his back and i'm <laughs> like oh my goodness but he would he would limp like when it got real cold his paws would must fro- freeze up or something yeah. and he would start limping and then people would be calling oh i think bruno's hurt i think he's hurt is what they would say and then you know so you thaw him out he was just that damn cold yeah yep yep oh dogs they're a riot they can be. They can definitely be a riot, as as evident by Randy's story today. Yeah. 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 For sure. So you, you brought up um, injuries a little bit, and I brought up when I broke my pelvis, and you and I have that in common that we've both Correct. broken our pelvis on a snowmobile. Yep. Yours was a little more extreme than mine. But I didn't spend, let me think, I might have spent a week there, but it wasn't for the pelvis that I spent a week in the hospital. I was, you're just I, saying you're that much tougher than no, me. No, I was saying, like, that's I'm saying your pelvis break must have been significantly worse. Well, with his, I, I think the biggest thing was is they were trying to determine whether it was going to require surgery or not. Oh. So it was, they were... They told me initially that there there was no question, like, you need surgery. Okay. I mean, we never see this type of a pelvic break without surgery. Gotcha. And it's like, this is not a small surgery. I mean, oh, we got to go in oh around yeah. the hip and what, socket like and get I, down actually, in Actually, I remember there. now. So they, they put you under, and they said, all right, we're going to put them under, and then we're going to move it all around and they, see how They stress it tested it. And then they said, you know, we'll know then if it needs surgery, and if it needs surgery, we'll just do it then, you know? So gotcha. or Or we'll be back out here in 30 minutes, and we'll tell you he doesn't need surgery, and he'll be in recovery. Y- yeah, so what I was told, just to add to that, what I was told before they put me under when I was still conscious oh, and, yeah, and able to think of this, they were telling me, so we're going to put you under, we're going to wheel you back, and we're going to stress test this thing and watch the fracture and see what happens right? and then make a decision. If you don't need surgery on this thing, you'll be in and out. You'll probably be awake in 40, 50 minutes. Oh. It'll be under an hour, right? right? If we go in there and we determine that it needs surgery... It's going to be like six hours. Yeah, because six they had hours to go, of surgery. Because the, the, all the blood veins that run in that area, or right. whatever, so much blood goes to that area. So they put me under, and um, I remember the the nurse lady telling me that like I had the IV in, you know, and she puts the shot in. Yeah, she's like, this is this is just a relaxer. And for anybody who has never been through this, whenever they tell you that, that's the last thing you'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> points in my life, I've been told that, and right. at this point, I know, like, yeah, well, we'll see you in a while. Right. So. How, what, she puts, oh, wait, wait. How many times have you been put under? Just that time. No, I've been put under a few times. I don't remember. Exa- I don't know exactly why. Well, you've had your endoscope, which that's not being put under, though. That's just, well, it is, but it is. Yeah, I was under. And then I was under for 
That's a kitty cock. What's an endo, wisdom endo, teeth? Endoscope is, endoscope is front end or back end? Throat. Front, front end. Yeah. You were put under <laughs> for that? Teeth. It's yeah. not. It's not put under. Yeah, the wisdom teeth is good. I remember them like like jackhammer and stuff out of my mouth. <laughs> Did they they put you under? Though, they put right? me under, okay. but at at one point they told me too that I was like starting to wake up, and yeah. I kind of re- I don't remember being in pain, but I remember jackhammer. Like yeah, a little flash <laughs> of that, you know. When I when I had my wisdom teeth out, I remember that the dentist came in and he said, "Okay, we're gonna put you under, and then you're gonna need somebody to." He, I remember he said, you, you'll you have to stay here because it was in St. Cloud, two hours from home. He's like, you'll have to stay overnight. You won't be able to drive. And I'm like, I'm like, really? But I got to so, race in the morning. Yeah, I'm like, I got to go home, right? <laughs> so uh, I got to do a backflip tonight. <laughs> so I remember, so the nurse comes in. He leaves. The nurse comes in or the whatever they call him. She comes in and I said, so, like, do I have to be put under? Like, because I... I gotta go home. It's like two hours away, and he said I can't drive if if I get put under. Oh no, we could just give you laughing gas. Oh my, oh my lord! Well, let's do that on the wisdom teeth. Oh yeah, yeah. So so he comes in, and so she gets she sets me all up. She's got the laughing gas on me, and that was the only time I had laughing gas that I can remember. And I I literally was laughing. I was like having a hoot. I was in my own little world. It was pretty funny. Like I thought it was pretty funny. And I was a young young kid, right? So I probably wasn't the um I don't want to say the nicest kid, but I was just having fun, right? So when the dentist came in and I as soon as he walked in, I said, "Let's rip this bad boy out." Is what I, t- <laughs> I said to him, and he looked at the nurse and cuz I was still awake, and she's like, "How come he's not down?" And he's like, oh, he wanted laughing gas because he's got to leave. He's got to leave after this. And he, like, gave her the, the craziest glare. And and after that, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. Just just get in there and rip him out of there, right? And and he was, like, not into uh, <laughs> my my encouragement. So then he, he like, got in he there. He didn't even play along? He didn't play along Aww. at all. But I swear to you, <clears throat> I don't know if it was because of, of – me having too much fun he wanted to like let me know that this isn't a fun experience i swear to you he had like a tire iron for a dirt bike in my mouth and he was like leveraging he he broke my other tooth next to it prying the other one out and you know it ended up having one of them had like one of the roots was like a hook it was like a fishing hook so it was like hung up in there then he was just reaming on that thing and he got them out but and you were awake the whole time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, he was putting some serious leverage on it. Like, even a- in my giggly giggly state, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's, he's hammered down in there. <laughs> I never got oh, my, oh. my bottom ones. I never got. You didn't? My, so you still, oh, you didn't. You were just. They just never came in. I'd gotcha. Do whatever, I don't have them. So, but my other two came in, and I had both those pulled without any without anything extra. My My lower left was sideways. So I had three normal ones that never caused a problem, but my lower left, it came through and it was 90 degrees. So it was growing into the back. Oh, and I mean, it was that way for a while. And then that was the one that was a problem. There's still a hole back there. Like well, I, I can feel it. And it's been <clears throat> 10 years. I had, the, I had the same. I was actually in a, in a meeting in Alec and I had this toothache for a few days and I was, uh, I was living with Casey at that time. So I'd have been like 18, uh, 18, 19, somewhere in there. 
But I had this horrible toothache, and I'm sitting in this meeting, and finally I told the guys we were on break. I'm like, you got to bring me to the dentist. I can't take it anymore. And here the the wisdom tooth grew into the next tooth in front of it to the point where it cracked it and oh, then, and then abscessed. So the one in front of it had an abscess because the wisdom tooth was pushing into it. So they actually pulled the wisdom tooth and that next one because I was 19, and the doctor's like, well, we can crown it, and we can do a root canal. And I'm just like, what Pull the damn thing. It's the back right. tooth, you know? Right. So then they pulled those two, and then I went back later and had the other one pulled. So no, do you thanks. have, like, missing one? Is that a... So I, if I if I reach way back with my tongue, I can feel a little hole where there's one missing. So I'm really? I, I'm one tooth short of a So of that's a why set. he, he only set. eats peaches now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> For the last oh, 15 boy. years, he just eats peaches and Coors Light. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I'm still hanging on to a baby tooth. I have a baby tooth that's been, it never came out. So I have this one It's tooth. still there? Yeah. So when they do x-rays, they can see it. one that's all kind of wiped. No, it's like literally this Oh, tooth. like that's the tooth that yeah. you use. Like there was no adult tooth behind it. So no, they just... it's up here. Oh, it's, it's up here. It's still up oh, yeah. there? For yeah, those of you like, guys wondering, he's pointing like up, up in the top. Yeah, it's like under my nose, <laughs> and the baby tooth is off to the side. And it just, it's not bothering, so you don't have to do anything about it. No, but it. The baby tooth's getting weak. It's like pretty. So uh, then you'll have yeah. to get. You would it, think so with all that would... jumping, the baby tooth would have popped out, and the new one would pop right back in. It's. I like the baby tooth because he's a he's so, a tough little bugger. So when the when the when when the baby tooth comes in, then will the will the adult tooth grow in? Uh, the ba- the adult one, I would literally have like two front teeth, like a, a second row of front teeth as well. Ah, I okay. So when that day comes, it's gonna be. Pull the little one out, drag that one over, pull it down. And Jeez. Yeah, it's going to be some serious be reconstruction yeah. in there. Nice. So, And it's getting closer. Like, we kind of decided it's like when, when you're done, you know, kissing the handlebars, then <laughs> fix your teeth. Because like, so. there's a very good chance you're going to knock it out on your own, so we yeah. might as well wait. <laughs> Save the money. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you just going to get laughing gas when you do that? <laughs> I'm right out and so, put me under for that one. Okay, so uh, I got a little bit of a list here. So well, we, 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 we started injuries, with the broken pelvis. We haven't pelvis. really gotten to. Yeah, I was and going then back to bones. Talking about oh. teeth. <laughs> I was going back to bones. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you you broke your pelvis as well. I did. And that was in SoCal. Yes. When you were doing the the world record jump. Correct. It was practice. Talk us through what happened there, and then eventually we'll get to the rest. Talk of us through uh, what you did. Any there. others? Right. Yeah. So if I fall off course, just say. Distance jump. Stay on track. Oh, yeah. We, we will keep I, like, you go way on track. All right. All right so yeah. distance jump. Distance jump. Uh, we were practicing. <laughs> Things were going well. Um, we got well, we to back up here and say that the, this distance jump, you were going for the world record oh, correct, jump correct. on a snowmobile. Correct. We were yes. sh- shooting for world record. The, the original um, distance jump concept was after we did the double backflip, I remember talking to Red Bull, and, and I said, I'm like, I'll, they had Red Bull New Year No Limits back then. So on New Year's Eve, they would have like an hour-long show dedicated to this feat. What You know what? The first one was Robbie Madison broke the world record for longest jump, and Reese Millen backflipped a, a truck. And then we all remember Maddo when he stepped up onto the Arc de Triomphe in, in um, Vegas and then jumped off of it, which is one of the cooler ones. And then Travis did the... 
um, rally car jump in Long Beach to a barge. So anyway, I was fortunate enough to go to three of the four of them, and I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, I'll do, I remember telling them, I said, I'll do a distance jump, land right into a double backflip. We can have a ramp right at the end of it. Like, I was ready to do whatever because I'm like, that is so cool. And then, like, a year went by, and they said, hey, do you still want to do a distance jump? I said, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, so the kicker is, is we want you to do it in San Diego. And I said, well. Perfect place to set <laughs> snowmobile records. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, well, last I checked, there's not a lot of snow there. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I think we can do it with AstroTurf. So anyway, that's how it started. And then from there, then it's like getting the sled and everything figured out. So we got a sled. And the sled that we went with was the old 800 mod that we used to snow cross with. And with Snowcross, you're like maybe wide open for, I mean, five seconds at right. most. Yep. You know? So with distance jumping, you're wide open for, you know, at that time it was, it was 1,050 feet was my run it. So it was probably 20, 20 seconds maybe from start to finish. And we had never done that with that motor before. So when we started practicing we started off at like 500 feet of run in and 600 and 700 you just incrementally go further back and making the gap bigger and then when we got up to we got to like 275 or so the sled started cutting out in the air and endoing so when you're jumping snowmobile you hit the brake to bring the front end down the front end of the machine down you hit the gas to bring it up so there's quite a few guys that have no idea what you're talking about because they've never rode a snowmobile or seen snow yeah so why is that so the because of the track rotation it's it's essentially like like imagine um wheeling your bicycle you know as you pedal more it wants to tip over backwards and as you hit the brake it brings the front end down so basically because you're you're pushing the air Right, pushing the air and just just so, the just the centrifugal force, yeah, the, the inertia of that right. of the track. Right. Yeah. So you can control. So in the air in a snowmobile, you can hit the brake and your front end drops. Front, yes. And you hit the gas and your and front end will come way. up. Not as, um, not as aggressively as the brake. Like when you hit the brake, it'll wham come down fast, and when you hit the gas, it'll like kind of counter that. It. it it's not like it's gonna pop yeah it's not near as noticeable but it does it definitely helps it'll stop especially like if you hit the brake and then you hit the gas after like the the, when you hit the brake the front end comes down immediately and then you'll give it a little bit of gas to counter that downward motion okay yep downward rotation so distance jumping because the snowmobile is like from the bottom it has a lot of surface area so it's kind of like a a sheet of plywood flying through the air you keep that thing on edge it cuts through the wind nice but that thing tips up at all it's gonna flip it right over backwards okay so um or like a kite was is a better analogy it's like you know if it was on edge it would just slice through the wind but when it's wide it catches a lot of wind right so the snowmobile is that same way where uh what you have to do is you have to follow the the arc of the jump with the nose of the sled. So it cuts through the wind the entire time. So you are actually controlling that. You're not just sitting up there 
Well, I mean, you're looking around. And Hoping you land. <laughs> oh, man, I hope this goes well. <laughs> Please let Just it work this to... time. <laughs> yeah. Just cruising through the air. So we... So when you when you were up there, you know, I would always jump, and when I got to the highest point, then I would hit the brake, the front end would come down, and then I'd have to counter that with a little bit of throttle, and then it would kind of come in, and then just before landing, then you accelerate to kind of Cause pull I'm, yourself I'm sure out. lots of guys listening have rode a snowmobile in the air long enough to... You know, hit the brake, little gas, little more brake, and that's what was crazy about <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is like you legitimately did it multiple times. Like early on, I was like, rrr, 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 going back and forth. But anyway, so so that's what that's how you do the jump. And at 275 feet, um, we, we it started to cut out, and then in the air when I would give it the gas to counter that downward rotation, it would just cut out and die. And then the actually sled, die. Well, it would it would cut out completely. And it okay. would it would not pick up. I mean, or at it, all. if it cut out and died, he'd have to reach down and pull. <laughs> yeah, the thing started in the air like, like well, look at that awesome trick. It's <laughs> what similar. Are you doing up there? It's similar. <laughs> it's similar to the lawnmower dance. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm Get it up save in the my air, pelvis. Hit the kill switch. Front flip as you're starting the sled back up. So so I. Uh, we we land then. I land on the nose, and I did this three times, 275 uh. feet. Now, keep in mind, at that time, the world record was 301 feet. That was the longest anyone had jumped on a snowmobile. And you're and you're you're at 270. I'm doing yeah, 270 to 280, and I'm doing endos. I'm landing on the skis, slamming into the dash, and I'm going, oh, this is not not good. So on the third one, I said, like, we really have to figure this out because I don't know how many more endos. My my pelvis can take. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. At some point, it's going to end a lot harder than it has right. to this point. Right, and that's what I, I was just waiting for the big one where I I couldn't ride it out. And then so they they worked on it, and what they did is a carbureted engine, and they took in, um, they increased the size of the bowl so that it had more fuel in there, and then they made the needle and seat bigger so that it could get more fuel in there. And and then they sent me out, and it was so. This is solved. something you just you just circled back to your trailer, and they just did this, right? So the crew, the crew chief, you have all that stuff with you, yeah, for definitely for this for something that big. Wow! And they so we hauled a semi out there, um, out to California for testing, just full of for the jump carburetors, different. Yeah, you have all the everything parts and stuff. We had two, probably enough stuff to build yeah, two or three more sleds if for you had sure. To, yeah. We had a uh, we had a backup sled and and the jump sled and then enough parts, like you said, to build yeah. whatever you needed. It's like the I, so I I mean I raced sleds for a year and a half, but dirt tracks really where I come from. And the mm-hmm. big guys, if they're not carrying two cars, they're carrying at least enough stuff to build a whole another car. Right. So, you know, if they have to, they've got everything they can throw it throw whatever together. Right. So. Yeah. You, you just to be prepared for it, you yep. know. So so they went back, they fixed it. I went out and sled was awesome, you know. So I jumped. That was happening at that happened at like seven hundred feet or six hundred fifty feet or seven hundred feet of running, as when it first started and doing. So they fixed that later. Um, you know, we broke the record. I remember we jumped three hundred. 314 feet so you you had the record then yeah uh, like unofficial we like uh, jumped okay. past it and sure we're like yep. hey we did it like that's right there we all 
just witness that's the longest jump that's ever been on a snowmobile and, and then we kept jumping then we moved to another site which uh, was at fontana speedway and then they had like that was the the big setup and there was a all scaffolding run into the ramp and the ramp was on rails so you could adjust it you could move it back and forth as you would get bigger with your jump and then there was a big scaffolding landing and um, we started jumping and i remember the the final day we jumped 330 and then it was like three like 28 or something and they're like so each time you land like the next like you beat the other record do you have to walk a little more bull-legged because you're your nuts got just a little bit bigger <laughs> each time or no no it's nothing like that you had those special like, underwear that would yeah. hold them up tight <laughs> wasn't a problem no That's it's insane. just saying the 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 further you go the more you can feel your little brain bounce off the sidewalls <laughs> is what it is but no so we yep. so, so we got to 330 then i remember they we propped a ramp up i remember we propped it up it was like a half a degree we propped it up and instantly 30 feet further same speed, same everything. Thirty like, feet further. Uh, so we went. From, I don't know. Maybe, maybe prop the ramp up a little. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. So it went. It's only three hundred and thirty feet. Yeah, and then it all of a sudden was three sixty. It was like instant like that. So then we were at three fifty seven, three sixty one, and then it was like okay, we're feeling. And, and the whole the whole thing is like, you don't want to jump more than you have to, and that's because you're doing something that's pretty crazy right so it's not like you're just rallying you know because i could have just sat there and kept jumping because once you do it you're like oh that isn't bad and then you do it again you're like oh that's that's pretty cool and yeah and you want to just keep session it but they're like no no we do as few as we can so then they shut me down after four jumps that day and they said we're going to do one final jump at night under the lights and they set up all these um, all these lights, construction lights, like generator lights, they set them all up along the run and had the the landing lit up, and that was the going to be the final jump before we go to San Diego. Why why did they do it that way? Was that because for the for the big show, it yeah. was planned to be at night like yep, that? It would have been live under the lights is what it would have been because they would always hold um, the New Year, New Year No Limits. It would be. A, Oh, what would it be? Ten minutes after the ball dropped in New York City. Gotcha. Because they said everyone would watch the ball drop and then they would tune oh, in. Oh, sure. Yeah. It would do. So, so we would always be at nighttime doing the jumps. So that's when, when I, uh, I, w I went back there and I remember, um, you know, pulling back. We went to dinner. I drove in. The whole setup is lit up, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, but it was kind of eerie almost. And uh, and then I remember putting my gear on, and that was the last thing I remembered. You don't remember hitting the jump. You don't remember the nose coming down. Nothing. Really. None so of it. what what happened when what happened when you landed, or or what did they tell so you happened when I I hit the ramp? We had the fastest speed. So I should backtrack. So during the day when I was doing those jumps, one of the jumps it gurgled up in the air. So I hit the jump, and it just when I hit the gas, it just went. Ugh like that and then it rope and it picked up and i went in and i said hey i think it gurgled and <laughs> like glenn he's awesome my crew chief and he um he goes yeah i didn't hear it 
And, and, <laughs> and like, so in in like, must not have been a thing. So what I like, because I mean, it's literally the scariest thing every time you go and hit the jump. So you're like, you're trying not to psych yourself out because I've gone down that that rabbit hole before where you're just like, well, I think it was this. I think it was that. You're, you yeah. start hearing things. You start right. feeling things. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, maybe it, maybe it was nothing. So and I, he probably knows the same thing. Like when you're that nervous, exactly. when it's that big, Levi might be making shit up that isn't actually happening. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. So I go, okay, you're right, you're right. So I go back and I hit the next jump during the day and it went perfect. So then I'm like, okay, okay, it was nothing. So then that night, nighttime, it's cooler. We have to jet up, which would suck more fuel. I go out there, the sled, fastest speed we had in all of our runs. It was 104.9 mile an hour. And then we did the 361, the longest jump up to that point, we we were hit it at 103.5. So we had like a mile and a half, which would have probably equaled 380 or so for that, a jump. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. <laughs> According to Randy's <laughs> I quit calculating that. So, um, oh, yeah, three. So after we, we do that, we hit the jump. I get up in the air, and I hit the brake, and the jump, everything was good. And then when I hit the gas, it just goes, run, 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 and then it was silent. And the, the sled oh, just no. keeps going until it was straight up and down. And then I, I jumped off the front, like lunged off the front in – like, so like you're kind still, of a Superman. So you're position. still doing eighty miles an hour. I hit the ramp at one hundred and three point five. How much did you lose flying through the air? So you're still doing a yeah, hundred. You're, you're going. Much. I don't know. You're He's going, going hundred. Yeah. So a hundred miles an hour, you hit the eject button. Yeah, eject, and that's when I landed on my like pelvis. face down. Uh, it, yeah. It's man. It's on YouTube, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nuts. It's holy crazy. cow. I mean. It's, it, you're lucky to be sitting here. Oh, 100%. Uh, super <laughs> grateful to be here because it was – so, like, to give you an idea, when I hit the – I landed, like, laying down, like, on my side. You know, like, oh, oh. when I came off, I came off like I was going to belly flop, and I rotated to my side to take it on my my side, and that's when I broke my pelvis is my ball and socket. It tried pushing the ball through the socket. Exactly what happened to me. So were, yeah. you, were you ahead of the snowmobile, beside the snowmobile? In front of it. So then, I was then you have a snowmobile coming at you. Yeah, the sled went. The sled started flipping and it went 200 feet without touching ground, flipping through the air. It was like flying. Holy and I, when I hit the ground, I skipped like a rock and I skipped over 100 feet. My body did. I just boonk like that, and then I landed. I landed like kind of on my head and shoulder, kind of, and on the second landing, and then I got to like I started rolling like a log. And I rolled like, and and the crazy thing is, after the, I landed the first time and I started rolling. The sled landed like, right next to me, like from its two hundred foot jump. Like by the time I got out there, it landed like right next to me, and then it took off, and then I I was going much slower than the sled at that point, and it just kept rolling, and then I rolled to a stop, and my my wife and my my best friend and my dad were sitting in a in a razor watching from right next to the landing. Oh man. So they like saw it all go down and my wife, she took off running towards me right away. And they had like, they'd have a safety meeting every day and they would go over like safety protocol. And one of the, one of the protocols was like, you know, get the family if they go running out like that. 
because if I'm like got a broken back or neck or something. Right. Yep. Yep. So so they they intersected my wife right away, grabbed her and tackled I, her, held her down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Cuffed her. <laughs> Told her it was not, tied her wrist together. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba comes running around the corner and just lays her out. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, tackles man. her. <laughs> so so they were there. My mom, she was on the takeoff side, so she just saw the bottom of the sled. Oh, and then no. she just heard the crunch. She couldn't see the uh. like, like me land. She, she just heard the crunch, and then she took off running. And then, so I, I was obviously knocked out, and um, the paramedics came right away, and you know they, they got to me, and then apparently I came to, and I was freaking out because I couldn't breathe. And I was like, they're like, stop moving. You, you might have a broken back or a broken neck. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, like incredible but Hulk on my that. wife yeah <laughs> <laughs> you zip tied her up come yeah. on <laughs> but um so they they said i was like freaking out for a little bit and then they like got me simmered down you were and... still trying to land that snowmobile yeah. <laughs> when you woke up he was I afraid the sled still. was still coming yeah so then they they realized that i collapsed both my lungs so then then they um they put the chest tubes in to like they drain did, the fluid. On- on site, they on put site the... they did. Holy cow! Yeah, because later, so you couldn't breathe. You have... No, apparently two collapsed not. lungs. You're not breathing. Right. So they um so they put the chest tubes in right away, right there on site. And what was interesting was, a handful of years later, um, actually it was 2014. It was my last snowcross race at a national. I collapsed the lung again. Oh. Crashed, and they were going through the whole thing. He's like telling me about collapsed lungs. And I'm like, no, 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 man. I know. I've, I did them both at the same time before. It's like, I know how it works. Oh, <laughs> and, no. Just and put he the goes, tube in. Let's and get this over. Yeah, he like looked at me, and he's like, both of them? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, wow. And then I told him the story, and he's like, you're pretty lucky that the, the medics there knew how to put the chest tubes in. And he said, because a lot of the paramedics don't know how to do that. Um, I couldn't so imagine. Would you have suffocated? Oh, I would have died that, right there. Because well, yeah, yeah, it was over 30 minutes before I got to the hospital. Wow. So, so I can imagine your 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 parents and your wife watching these guys shove a chest tube into you, laying on the track. Oh, they saw a lot of stuff before that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <At> that <God>. time. <laughs> so so anyway, that's how the that's how I got my my cracked pelvis. But like I said, I was in the hospital for for you know a week or whatever. But it was because I had a cracked pelvis and fractured vertebrae and collapsed both lungs and I was like had a lot of injuries and I think my pelvis was like it wasn't that big of a deal because they, they gave me a worry walker. about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. The walker with the so, tennis balls. See, that's yeah. that's the thing is you you learn that with experience. When I went for my first checkup with the walker. I was screeching my way through the hospital. Did you have tennis balls on? I didn't. Oh, I see? didn't have the tennis balls. I know we talked about this <laughs> yeah. the last winter. So they're like the old the older gentleman with the walkers like, "Come on, you rookie. Like, you put the on, balls dude. on it." Here. <laughs> I got an extra set of balls with me. <laughs> uh, so let's do a quick uh um everything you've injured. Everything uh from from the top, like what you can remember from the alphabetically, beginning, just no. fire through, just fire so, through them. Uh, yeah, separated. Yeah, no. Right off the get, my my first injury was when I was, I would have been eighteen, maybe nineteen. I separated my shoulder. Oh, I've, done it was, I've done this one twice. Yeah, it's like there's still 
it's still there. Uh, you know, mine's not like, that pronounced, but I have a lump there. So Nothing. I did the other one. I did, I did both. I separated both shoulders, but I separated that first. And up to that point, you know, I think that's probably why, like, I was so into jumping and going big and stuff is because I, for a while I was like, hey, I can't even get hurt. I can just do whatever. Right. And then I finally broke something. And I'm like, oh, it must have been a fluke. And then I broke it again. And I broke something else. And, you know, then I dislocate my wrist. And then I separate the other shoulder. And then I blew out my knee. And then it was just So each time, each, so you blow out your knee. How long before you're jumping again? Six months. Six months for a knee. When you tear your ACL and whatnot. But what was interesting is, like, I, I went on three years. It would be three years of injury. Was it three or four? It was three years of injury, three years of health, three years of injury, three years of health. Oh, so you kind of had a cycle going. Yeah. I think it might have been, maybe it was four years. It was two, three, four, five. So it was four years. It was four years of injuries, four years of health. So three, four, or two, three, four, five injured, six, seven, eight, nine healthy. And then, then I broke, well, actually 2009, I broke my heel. 2009 end of 2009 though season so and then it was 9 10 um i had surgery two years in a row and that's when i did the distance jump 11 12 is when i broke my leg so so far so we've got and separated then, shoulder broken heel so separated oh. both shoulders um tore my acl and fractured my tibia on that one um what was five was when i blew my knee out i blew my left or that's when i blew my knee six i was healthy seven eight nine broke my heel ten um had surgery a second year on my heel and had um that's when i had a distance jump crash which would have been pelvis um fractured vertebrae and collapsed both lungs and then 12 the next year i broke my tibia doing double flip in the foam pit and then 13 this is a really cool one i tore my <laughs> lat 2013 <laughs> yeah i tore my lat muscle so i don't, I don't even know what that is so that's, that's like this yeah this, the web your wings yeah your wing your oh, wing yeah. hold your wing. so not yeah. even kidding like i gotta show you so so for those of you wondering levi the valley's taking off his shirt right now. <laughs> yeah He's been wanting to do this all night. <laughs> it's just my flannel. Come on. Now. So, so if you look at, see, there's a oh, hole yeah. right here. See up. that? Compared to like this one, there's like, there's no hole. Yep. So I literally tore the muscle. So there's a he's showing us back there's now. a hole in the in my tricep. Like yeah, in his tri- yeah, his tricep. left tricep. So it like tore off and then it just shrunk yeah, up into your like back. A, there's a ball on the on my back. It's like a golf ball. Weird. So it's like the um, you remember Al Borland from Home Improvement? Yeah. He's got that hose that when you shut the water off, it shrinks up. Yeah. That's what your tricep. The bottom yes. of your tricep is now sitting in your shoulder. <laughs> the magic mystery hose thing. I never thought of that. <laughs> so I have the magic hose in my back. Now. Yeah. So that was. But anyway, the the unique thing about that injury is there's only been like, like less than 10 that have ever done that total they're total like if, from what i gathered because when i went in to do this they're like so 
you can do that? We don't know what <laughs> we really don't know what to do because it really hasn't happened. There was like a bull rider did it once. Um, there was a barefoot water skier and a tennis player, and that and now, there was now, like the extent of and it. And now a snowmobiler. And so they're like, okay, so what we're gonna try is we're gonna try taking, we're gonna try, like, w- sewing it back together because it's muscle. It's like so they're gonna try and dig down through your arm, pull it back to where it belongs, and right. sew it where it goes. Yeah. And I don't think apparently that didn't work. I don't think it worked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's from where I'm sitting, it looks yeah. like they might There's not have gotten it. There's still a hole all. there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, w- you ever go in for like a massage and like the lady's rubbing you, and all of a sudden she's like, "What? What? Is, <laughs> what happened? There's a golf ball in your back." <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a. It, the funny thing is, I don't, I don't notice it. Like it's not like my, I feel weaker on that side or anything. Um, but it's. It's definitely the only time I really noticed it was was is how it happened. It happened from doing Superman backflips. So when you extend out, I I would just push him as hard Su- as I could. Superman is you're hanging on the handlebars, you're straight out the back. Yeah, flying you're, you're like so legs are sticking out the back. Yeah, yeah. So when you're doing a Superman backflip, you're actually perpendicular to the sled. So the sled. If it's level upside down, you are like straight down. So it's actually like it's incredible feeling because you're you're up above and you don't see anything because your snowmobile is up above you oh, back sure. and you're just standing you're just in the air. You're essentially standing in the air and the sleds above. Yeah, you. it's yeah. so it makes really cool. cool photos. So as a snowmobile yeah. as a snowmobile comes around, you pull yourself back out of the seat. Right, right. You have they're called flip levers, which there's. These little bars that your forearms hit up against that are um, fastened to the handlebars. How many how many people listening to this are gonna Google freestyle snowmobiling after they listen to this podcast? Hopefully a bunch, man. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah, like, this is insane. No, this kidding. is nuts, man. Well, it's 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 funny. Like snowmobile freestyle, it's like a it's really fun, but it can't. If it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. <laughs> right, is the problem. But the Superman flips were were really neat because you would i mean you're 30 40 feet above the ground and you're like standing up there and you know when the snowmobile is up above you you can't see it so it's just like you're like looking down like a bird and you're like holy cow this is cool i'm gonna try one <laughs> for that like holy, holy cow this is an odd that. choice of a career <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly this is very strange. how did i do this how did i get there but no it was it was cool once you once you got comfortable with it because you would look down and you'd be like wow that's neat and then you're like all right get back on the snowmobile yeah. right pull yourself bring it around on, bring right? it around bring it around hope it's running oh that's that's insane I want to go back to, so you dumped it on this Red Bull jump, but what mm-hmm. we didn't hit on was that you made it. Yeah. You, so, you, I mean, not that day. Right, right, right. So uh, timeline, 2010, we were shooting for 2011 New Year's Eve is when we were going to, or 2010 New Year's Eve, so it would have been like bringing in 2011. So I crashed on December 13th, and then they had to cancel the event, and it's like this huge You weren't able production. to ride it? What? After you crashed, you weren't able no, to ride? No, after the, the <laughs> pelvis the and chest stuff. tubes in. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could have done a wheelchair version. like an octopus. <laughs> Extra. No, so I, I wasn't able to. I, but the funny, the cool thing about that one was three months to the day from the crash, I was back on the snowmobile riding. 
three months three months which after all that like it was that's by far the craziest crash all i did was was fracture my pelvis and three months later i was excited because i got to ditch the crutches and i was hobbling around yeah see that's right and i'm telling you your pelvis was much much more broken than my mine. <laughs> pelvis must have been messed up more than yours but my lungs were solid yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i've had a chest tube i've had one chest tube yeah uh that's no fun did you blow on it uh no 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 he was in a coma uh, yeah oh. i was in a coma for, i had some oh, other medical dang. stuff we haven't gotten into that maybe oh, one day there. someday yeah, we we'll haven't on yeah. randy's medical history but it so wasn't I know, as cool I know as trying to fun. set a world record with red bull i i know i i went to sleep without a chest tube and then two days later, I woke up with a chest tube, Ooh. and I remember how pissed off I was, how bad this tube shoved through your ribs hurt. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine getting two tubes shoved in you laying on the track. No. It wasn't good. The, the <laughs> thing that I always think about is they when they removed them. They removed one one day and one the next day. And the first one, they they had like a – they were like training the nurse in. Oh, oh nice. man. Oh, I had one of those. Like, oh, here you go. So pull, pull here. No, not there. Pull yeah. here. Oh, Our, it was brutal. I, I'm, I'm sure this isn't quite as traumatic, but it felt like for me as a young mother, Rhiannon shattered her elbow jumping out of her crib at the age of like two. And Not even, I don't think. She yeah. had three, three pins. And she landed on carpet on her elbow and got three pins in her elbow. And the day we went to go take them out, it was like a nurse in training. Right. And she couldn't get the damn thing out. And oh, she's sitting there trying over and over and over again. And I'm just this like mother furious. Like, yeah. get the effing Give me the pliers. I'll do it. Here. She literally <laughs> has a needle nose pliers. Yeah. Hold the sucker pins. out. You know, and the baby's just sitting there and just like, good But at Lord, the same time, like, all these nurses have to, they have to learn. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. they do, but yeah. maybe not on the but small not children. Not on my <laughs> two-year-old daughter. I was just like, yeah. Take, no, stop. Take, oh. take his two-year-old daughter. Yeah. 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 Isn't no. LaValle in here for something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Practice on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. But, but you ended up making this jump, the Red yeah, Bull Yeah, so jump. we eventually did. Back to that. So we did the next year. Um, so three months later, I'm back riding, and I remember I got the call from Red Bull. They would check on me, like, like periodically, like so every couple LaValle, weeks. So you're uh, you're – your lungs are reinflated. <laughs> yeah, I, they were super good about it. They just make sure I was doing all right. And I, I, after that point, I told him, I said, "Hey, I'm I'm back riding." I was pretty excited about that, and and I just told him, I said, "You know, I'm just so bummed that we weren't able to show, you know, the the world what we could do on a snowmobile." Well, you already did. Yeah, and, you did it. You just hadn't showed the world yet. And we just could. I mean, yeah, there's a handful of us that saw it. So so then I, I said that and. And he's like, there was like a pause, and it was his name was Dave Mateus, and he he was super cool, and he goes, um, he paused, and he goes, so like, would you do it again, <laughs> <laughs> like that? He's and testing like, to see. And last, I'm like, last and, time went so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't skip a beat. I said, you bet I would. I just like <laughs> jumped on it as soon as he said like, so like, would you do it again? I'm like, you bet I would. Was that totally unexpected from your end? Like, did, for me did to you do think that? that that shot that opportunity? Oh, I was didn't. Gone? Not at all. I didn't think I would get to because in my mind, like it was different at that time frame in my life. It was like we after we started freestyle. Then I was, and then the next year I was like, I want to do double backflip. And then it was just like I was on this mission to like just go as big and as wild as I could, and like that was like the biggest thing you could do. Like 
Redburn, New Year No Limits, this whole show dedicated to some stunt. So I, I thought, I'm like, wow, I just totally blew that huge opportunity. And then when he said, yeah, would you do it again? I'm like, you bet. And then I go, think we can add like 60 feet to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We got a lot more. So, but the the hard part is like, so then you say that, and then then they come back and say, so for real, you you want to do this? And you're like, yep. And they're like, okay, we're going to. And then you got to go tell your wife and your mom and everyone like that. That's like this time, thankful guys, you're alive. You right? should maybe stay home this time. This yeah. time it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it way better this time. Yeah. <laughs> now so. we know we need even bigger bowls on the carburetors. Yeah. So what it was, this is what this is what I said. I said 100%, I know I know the problem. All we need is a fuel injected motor. And then we you don't have to worry about that carb running out of fuel. Exactly. So we went to Polaris, and then Polaris, um, they put Rick Bates. Is, he's like the guy that builds our race sleds and stuff, super sharp guy. They put him on on engine development, and he developed this 800 mod motor over the summer, and it was a rocket. And then he came with. He was with for all the practice, all the jumps. They're helping tune it, and it was problem solved. And and then it gave me a ton of confidence, but it was um, it was great because you know 104.9 was our fastest speed in our prior one, and then like when we when we did break the record into going into 2011 New Year's Eve, 2012 year, um, we hit the ramp at 111 mile an hour, and oh, we jumped man. 412 feet. Holy which cow! Is, it was a big moment because it was the first time in history that anything jumped further than a motorcycle and the first time that anything jumped over 400 feet. So it was like, it was really storybook that, you know, we went from crashing and almost dying to, you know, coming out with this new sled and it was all the same group of people that were involved. And Just then we come back it. And, and it was like, what's, what's the record now? 412 feet 412 yeah. feet what year that was that awesome 2000 it was 2011 new year's so so nine yeah. years and that's still the record that yeah. is cool it goes distance jumping kind of goes in in cycles they'll like be you know somebody that you know says i want to do it and and they figure out how to sure and and then it's like yeah because when we did the jump the previous record was 301 feet so like in distance jumping world, if I was like, say I was Evil Knievel and that was going to be my career, you go 310 and then 315 and then so 320. You, so you can just keep beating the record. You can just keep doing shows. Yeah. Like when I did it, I was like, and I just want to go as you're big the, as I You're the overachiever can. that just crushed it. So well, I don't, I don't know overachiever. <laughs> Maybe it was just I just didn't want to do it any more than yeah. I had to. <laughs> like we're just gonna do it now. Just do it once. So that really no one big, can beat no us for done. a while. So. Yeah. Uh, so before we, I think we're getting yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. We yeah. have to talk about the Minneapolis ride. Oh, the, the urban snowmobiling. The same. Yeah, St. Paul. St. Paul. Oh, St. Paul was it? Yeah. yeah. So this was leading up to the Super Bowl in in what year was it? So 2016, we did urban snowmobiling video, which was 
Um, it Which, was. This is still on YouTube. Correct. Yeah, it was is, like a this promotional was with thing. Red Bull as well, right? Yes. Yeah. And it was a promotion for the Super Bowl, right? Or did they no, just no, no, run no. it? It was just completely separate. That was, no, it was. It was because we were actually supposed to do it in 2015, and oh, it okay. got postponed because there was no snow in 15. But they just did it for. Um, we we literally just did it because, like during the winter time, there's not a lot of stuff that you can do. Right. And I I told them. Who, I, I so who, where did this come from? Who called you and said, hey, we want you to, to terrorize St. Paul in your snowmobile? <laughs> it, it starts with like, this is what's really cool did about it. you see that evil laugh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, that was me. So <laughs> I tricked people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, that's like probably been the, the coolest thing about being with Red Bull is like Red Bull, like – a guy they give like you my, wings. They do. They give you wings. But no, what, unless the carburetor burps. <laughs> I should have been putting Red Bull you in should the have gas had some tank wings. there. Yeah. So that what Red Bull does though is they like they you know it, it was my dream to do these things, these distance jumps, and and like I went to him and I said, I would, I, you know, it'd be cool is if I could go run around a city, you know, like at the time Ken Block was doing Jim Connor and he was in a rally car and he was doing whipping his car all over the place doing burnouts and stuff and i said we could do that same thing but i could be jumping on and off buildings and bridges and i could be going big <laughs> like and add that element and it'd be in the winter and it was like that was like the vision because i always thought about like like i always went through a city looking at what a bmx guy and a skateboarder would go and look at he'd be like oh i could grind that rail or i could jump off those steps or you know it's like a playground for them Right. So and you're, I, you're thinking, oh, I could jump off that parking garage. I could clear this street over the... Exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, how could how could you turn a city into a snowmobile playground? And that's where the idea started from. And then Red Bull said, hey, St. Paul, I think we could, we could do it in St. Paul. There's nobody there that would mind if we shut a few roads down. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let's do it in St. Paul. <laughs> so, so they started shutting roads down and... There we uh, are. It, it is it is the coolest thing to see a sled ripping through St. Paul. It like is. especially if you're from Minnesota and you recognize all the sites and the you know the spots that you were at. Recognize doing that. the places. Yeah, yeah. and you, you recognize like the capitals in it and, right. and and you're just like man, the, like what went into that? It's just right. it is really cool. It was it was really neat to be a part of a project like that. And what's been fun is going back to the St. Paul now and you, I mean, it's been like, Oh yeah. I, years I jumped off that parking garage. Yeah. yeah. Probably <laughs> the only guy to ever clear that gap between <laughs> well, the parking garage. We literally <laughs> just, just, um, just this last week. Was it last week? We were down in the cities. We just went through the cities and, and we went past and you could see the cathedral from the road. Yeah. And I told, and my daughter's like, Hey, there's that building you jumped by. She recognized yeah, that. She, she <laughs> That's knew awesome. It. Yeah, so like, hey, it's going to be nothing. fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun in a, a few years. We're gonna, we'll are we do like a field trip and go like here's, you know. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. they watched sure. the video multiple times. Yep. But How long did that take you to film that? It was six days. Six, six days. days from sunup till sundown. That's and a long It week. was, yeah. It, and this is what's crazy is – we had we we shot it the third week in January, and I remember they said we can we have three windows: week one, two, or three. And I said, okay, I've got X Games on week four, so let's do it like 
week one or two. Okay, so then I can practice for freestyle for a week at home before going to X Games. And they they call or they email, yep, week one's out. And I'm like, okay, week two would be really good, be really good. And they're like, no, we really want it to snow. And and then, nope, week two's out. And I'm like, I remember sending an email, and I'm like, you guys, I'm pleading with you, just any, please, please let us just do it this week two. And they're like, nope. Week three is the one. <laughs> oh, no. like, not all even right. not even a discussion. Yeah, so I'm so like, you, all right, fair enough. So you did that for the week, and yeah. then and then went right to X Games. Right to X Games. So knowing that my last week of freestyle practice for X Games was gonna get washed, I'm like, okay, I gotta figure something out. Excuse me. So what I did was I talked to ERX. They have that huge motor park in Elk River, Minnesota, and snow guns and groomers and stuff, and they're they're super cool people. And I said. Is there any way I can set up a freestyle ramp and landing there? And they said, yeah, for sure. So they we set up a ramp and a landing and a light plant. And what I would do is I would film urban snowmobiling all day, and then my my buddy would drive me. It would take us 45 minutes to get to ERX, and I would take a nap on the way there. And then we'd get there, and I'd fire up my freestyle sled, and I would go do some backflips and and flip tricks for an hour and then we'd go back and then we had um we'd have call time was i think call time was 6 30 each morning for breakfast because we had to be at ready by by sunlight Holy in the morning cow. so so That's we awesome. did that for the six days of like jumping and freestyle and and then um uh, then we flew um then we flew on monday um out to aspen was it Mon- no it was tuesday it was Tuesday morning. We flew out to Aspen, and I literally landed, and they were like, we weren't supposed to have practice till Wednesday, but they were like, hey, can can you test the ramps? I'm like, sure. So I like literally yes. just jumped on my sled and started <laughs> ramping again. Right away. Yeah. When you're in Aspen for the X Games, are there a lot of jokes about like who's bringing Mary her suitcase? <laughs> Lots of it. Uh, I'm just thankful the rest of you all got that. <laughs>